So we got this journalist, an investigative reporter who says that based on Russian flight information from, from state air travel, it appears that Russia's nuclear high command, which is Vladimir Putin and two other individuals, are currently holed up in nuclear bunkers. And the general idea is that they've just now fled to these places. Around the same time, we're getting reports that Putin is pulling back troops from Kiev. Of course, ask the simple question, why would Vladimir Putin and their nuclear high command go to nuclear bunkers and then pull their troops back? Well, a lot of people immediately say, looks like they're getting ready for some kind of bomb. But the reality is there have been reports that Vladimir Putin may have already been in the bunker. We know that the two other members of the uh, the nuclear chain of command in Russia have already been missing for a couple of weeks, likely in secure locations. So I wouldn't look too much into this. In fact, the story might might actually be that Putin is pulling things back in general. However, Russia did state, the spokesman for the Kremlin, that if they felt they were their existence was threatened, they would absolutely use nuclear weapons, which is not surprising. So we're going to talk about that. And then we got it. We have a lot of other stories to talk about, but uh, we're going to have a really interesting show because obviously with this, it's, it's, it's the midterms, elections seemingly substantially more important these days, I guess, to most people because the culture war is so hot. And a lot of people are concerned. A lot of Democrats are concerned they're not going to win. Republicans have a general ballot advantage. And one of the big issues that I constantly bring up is all of the lies over the past 10 years, all of these stories that have been put out by the mainstream media that have just turned out to be false. One of these stories, which was, um, I could go through the list for you again, but one I typically don't mention, but was, was the story of Breonna Taylor. The media uh, story on this one, the narrative was just not true. So joining us is one of the officers from uh, the incident, Sergeant John Mattingly. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, John Mattingly. I was a sergeant on the Louisville Metro Police. I was there for 21 years. Uh, retired in May of last year. Um, and so now I've got a book coming out and just going around telling people about it. 12 I'm seconds in the dark. Trying to get some truth out. That's yep. right. So you are uh, you are the officer who got shot. Correct. That was the, that was the story. And right. so uh, the media lied about everything. Oh, yeah. yeah there's <laughs> not much truth to it. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I think there's a, there's a really interesting conversation here that people probably won't expect because, the, you know, the activist narrative is that you guys uh, or just police in general are evil and, and, and single minded. But uh, we, we, the, I think we'll have an interesting conversation about policing, what happened, what are people's rights, you know, how you view it. Right. Plus a lot of stuff people probably don't even know about what really went down that night. Exactly. There's plenty of guys on my own department that even though they went through a year of riots, didn't even know the the story behind it. They didn't wow. know the backstory. So, so we'll get into all that. And uh, we also got Seamus. Yeah, I'm Seamus. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We upload political cartoons every single Thursday. Sometimes on Tuesday, we got one coming out this Thursday on Transports and the sort of like milk toast conservative ink response we hear oftentimes. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Very cool. I'm also here in the corner pushing buttons, as I always am. Happy to see Seamus. We don't have Ian tonight. Unfortunately, he is traveling back to be here with us again tomorrow, but he's not here tonight. So bear with us. We'll get him back shortly. Oh, Ian. He's abandoned us. Yeah, but, yeah uh, I know. I had to sub in for him last night, and I was going to try to do my best Ian impression, but I figured. We should get you a wig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Ian might actually walk in the door. I told him, I was like, if you get yeah. back or whatever, just walk in and sit yeah. down. I hope he does. So, I'd like to meet him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think he'll be here no matter what, but hopefully he, he comes in anyway. So, uh, however, before we get started, why don't you guys go to TimCast.com, become members to help support the work we're doing. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive episodes of this podcast. They go up Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m., just about. And uh, we will have one of those for you tonight. And as a member, you're making sure our journalists can keep working. You can see right here on the front page, we have an on-the-ground reporter at a South Carolina Trump rally. Because 
I think one of the things we definitely want to be doing is not just field reporting, but actually we want to do mini documentaries and, and full feature length documentaries. So we're working on all of that stuff with your support as members. We can make it all happen. So don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's, uh, let's get started with this first segment. Ah, CNBC with what appears to be some good news. Russia repositions troops away from Kiev, marking a shift in the war. Well, this sounds, this sounds good. I mean, the, the troops are going to be moving away from Kiev. It sounds like Vladimir Putin is, is, is gearing up to, to pull back, maybe even retreat and retreat to a high, uh, retreat his high command into nuclear, nuclear bunkers. Okay. That being the case, it now kind of reframes the retreat into is Vladimir Putin pulling his troops out of, out of Kiev because he's going to drop bombs on Kiev? Is that a stretch? No clue. Absolutely no clue. But I agree with you that it definitely changes the tone of the story to hear that he was going into a nuclear bunker rather than just pulling out. I, I do have to wonder, though, if this is just tabloid clickbait. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, after what I've been through the last couple of years, yeah. I don't believe much of what the media says. So it's a uh, I think it could be if he's in hiding, it could be because they've got inside information that maybe his own people are going to take him out because they're tired of losing family and friends in this useless war. I mean, but is even that true? Yeah, who knows? This is the crazy thing about the about the war is that, for obvious reasons, you have all of these outlets reporting that uh, you know Putin's fled to a bunker. They're citing this journal, uh, journalist Christo Grosov, who has links to British investigative outlet Bellingcat. But it's too juicy a story for any of these outlets to pass up. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they absolutely exactly. have to. And you know, my, my issue with how all of these articles frame is: look, I think we should talk about it. I think if there's a possibility an investigative reporter is saying, hey, this may be the case, it's probably a good thing people know, because while we're probably not going to see nukes dropped anywhere, you just, you know, you don't want to imagine, imagine you do get someone who's ready to fire nukes and some story happens that indicates it might happen and they don't tell you, you you better know. But uh, I'd I'd appreciate if these these articles would start by saying it's a single investigative journalist looking at flight paths from Mm -hmm. government, you know, planes. Well, when was this put out? Stories today, and it's yeah. by, by Metro. There's oh no, a, it's everything. I mean, everyone's picked it up. Okay, uh, so so they're all citing this one guy from. Bellingham. I was going to say if nobody else is talking about it, then it's probably true. Yeah, because oh, right. it's, it's you know they don't they they're don't scared want about know. it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if uh, you know we've seen all of this media saying Putin's losing. Mm-hmm. They're like he's retreating, he's losing. It's not going well. We constantly hear these stories about how his generals are dying, and I just don't know whether whether to believe any of it. No, I mean, so I was talking about this with Alex on the green room uh, or in the green room. Uh, yesterday and people have been talking a lot about russian disinformation and we shouldn't believe anything we hear about the war that comes from the russian government and fair enough i have no reason to trust them but also i have reasons to actively distrust my own government and the uh industrial you know military media complex that our own country has and so we're almost in the dark who was it i think it was mark twain who said it's better to be uh uninformed than misinformed something along those lines it's just every single time i consume news media i almost feel like i'm getting dumber yeah so I, I do want to make sure we point out, uh, we have a story from Times of Israel. Zelensky says he's willing to make concessions to achieve peace without delay, which includes a compromise on the Donbass region. So this is yesterday. It's entirely possible what's really happening is Vladimir Putin's already been in a secure location. They're pulling the troops back because they've won. Hmm. Is, is, this, this is what Vladimir Putin wanted, the eastern region of Ukraine. So no nuclear war. What do we do afterwards? Do well, we do we just say, okay, Putin's labeled to keep taking these territories and just... I'll, I hear you. I mean, I'll I'll borrow a point from you here, Tim, and paraphrase you a bit. Uh, I am not going to get my foreign policy wisdom from the people who believe Jesse Smollett. <laughs> then who do you believe, man? Yeah. 
yeah. people who believe the Covington kids. Yeah, yeah. the Covington uh, story. I, I'm yeah. sorry, who did not believe yeah. the Covington yeah. kids? Yeah. Got that one wrong. Mm-hmm. Who's gotten every single story wrong? Who are you supposed to believe when we're tra- when we're talking about war? Yeah, I think I think social media has become. I mean, this is the first war we're fighting with active live social media stuff. So we're getting a totally different take and a different spin than than we're used to. And so I think maybe. Some of the things are going to be good. Kind of like during the, the protests in 2020, we had the live streamers out there. And if we didn't have them, we wouldn't have really known what was going on. Because yeah. the stuff you got were mostly peaceful, you know, while the, mm-hmm. while the fire's burning, the building behind them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pro- hopefully that's going to be the same thing that happens here. We'll get some on-the-ground, legit people that are, are part of it that can actually give us some of the truth. Yeah, I mean – it sounds a little bit cheesy, right? Because we hear people in the media using this as a talking point all the time. But it is really important for people to be able to trust their media. Unfortunately, we're really not able to. There's just no media apparatus we can count on to reliably tell us the truth. And so they're constantly bellowing about the fact that no one trusts them. And they're constantly saying, if we really want to have a functioning society, there needs to be some common narrative people unite on and no one believes us. But then they never take responsibility for lying. And it's kind of funny. It would almost be as if you were constantly cheating on your wife and when she didn't trust you when you you know told her you were just at work late your response was you know well a household can't function if you don't trust your spouse okay well there's a reason it's true we do need to be able to have people in these positions who we can trust but we're just not able to and i think we've gotten so cynical on media over the past couple years and i've basically been cynical on media my entire life that you you lose sight of the fact that we've it's really very sad that there aren't people we can like genuinely count on to give us the truth here. I don't know if there ever was truth. To be I, I well, I would agree, with, and that's the thing. I I would also agree that oftentimes we we have a lot. We have our nostalgia goggles on, right? And we look at the past and say that that's when the media was honest. But we know that isn't true. Like the New York Times covered up the hall anymore. There's there's a lot to dig into with the fact that our media was basically always dishonest, and so I'm glad that's being exposed. I really am. But it just makes you sad that people don't have sources they can trust. And I think part of it is because of how gigantic these outlets have become. If you have more local politics being discussed by people and folks on the ground who live in the communities that they're discussing about cover the issues, I think you get more reliable information. But when you have CNN trying to report on everything that happens in the country, it's just all the information is ripe to be manipulated by them. Well, and you've also got, what, four major companies that control all the media Mm -hmm. outlets? So there's Something a monop- like that. there's a monopoly on it, and yeah. they're all kind of slanted the same way, and they're all money driven. So once you're money driven, the truth's out the window. It's yeah. what's going to make me the most money today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel really bad about this because I'm blanking on his name. We had him on very great guest. He talked about the Loudoun County um, assault case. He, he, he was the journalist who exposed it. Oh, Luke Rosiak. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. One thing he said that I thought was really instructive was. He, as a local, decided that he was just going to pay attention to an issue which was near to him. And so he called the father who was being maligned in the media and asked him why he responded the way he did. And the father explained that his daughter was sexually assaulted. That's the kind of journalism we need. But it's no coincidence that it was a person who was a member of that community who actually got that information. It's it's getting right, to the point right. where I don't, I, I don't think I can trust media sources – that were not there on the scene or aren't part of the community. I don't even because they have, and also they have no incentive not to lie about what happened there. It's not their community. Well, take a look at this, right? So we have this story. Times of Israel says Ukraine could declare neutrality, offer security guarantees to Russia, and potentially accept a compromise in the contested area in the country's east to secure peace without delay, hinting at possible concessions. Uh, 
yo, this this sounds basically like defeat, like Russia's won. Mm. The president of Ukraine says says we're going to give you what you want. Now they've been reporting over and over again that Russia was losing. They showed these videos over and over again of Russian tanks being hit and Russians being ambushed. They lie about you know these tanks running people over. All just insane propaganda. I, I, you know, I, I'd ask people, do you think Vladimir Putin is intentionally targeting civilians? And they would say yes. And I'd say, why would you think that? Like, I don't think Putin's a good guy, but we're not like p- human beings are not comic book villains. Well, he's not dumb. He knows if he does that, then they go in and take over Ukraine and they right. occupy it. He's not going to have their loyalty because he's killed their family members. I should clarify too. What I mean is there are people who believe that Vladimir Putin is killing civilians for the sake of killing civilians. Right. He is he, his his invasion is killing civilians in the name of his military objectives. But I'm specific. What I specifically mean is like, do you think he was like, hey, go in there and kill civilians? Well, of course not. He's saying go in there and just do what you have to do regardless of the consequences. Yeah, no, I mean, when when our government kills civilians, it's collateral damage. And that's just the cost of waging war. But of course, when other when other governments do it, it's because they intentionally want to kill innocent I, people. Yes. But I do got to pause there uh, and, and give issue a slight correction. Mm-hmm. Under the Obama administration, we did something a bit more clever. When when the United States killed civilians in the Middle East, we just said, "Are they adult men? And no, they're enemy combatants. Mm. If they were if they were combat aged males, military they would not be man. military aged men. They would not be classified as civilian deaths." That slipped past me. I didn't know that. That's talk horrible. about that's horrible, dirty, dirty yeah. stuff. And that's what's fascinating is that whether it was Trump or just this emergent phenomenon, you end up with a lot of regular Americans. Uh, populist conservative types just finally coming out and being like hey we, we don't want any of that we don't we don't we don't want military age males just being bombed and then you guys just pass the buck donald trump runs as a republican saying bring our troops back the war makes no sense and people are clapping and cheering for him joe biden you know i, I love how the democrats can keep pushing these lies about we don't want war and then what do you get you get chaos you get more war <laughs> isn't it so crazy under donald trump no new wars None. Certainly, wars were being were still being fought. Yeah, he was far from perfect on foreign policy. Joe Biden gets in, and we, it, it, how long until we got a new war? Yeah. Well, to be fair, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is different from a U.S. invasion somewhere. Yeah, but there's there's global instability. We've got reports of troop U.S. troop movements in Syria, and this is almost immediately. So yeah. it, it's not well, surprising. North Korea shooting there. Or China, whichever one's shooting the missiles back in the North sea. North Korea, and, yeah, North Korea. Yeah, well, I mean, look under under Donald Trump, we had we had security issues. We had we had concerns. You had North Korea doing their nuclear tests. But I think the reason Vladimir Putin didn't invade Ukraine is because Donald Trump crushed ISIS, yeah. and then pulled our troops out, and Russia was like, all right. And Russia went over there and got their tail kicked by them. Yeah, in the Middle East. I mean, they didn't fare very well when they went over there. They thought they were going to go over and, and just do what they do, and they didn't. And you talked about the propaganda. Uh, Zelensky, was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was yesterday, said they're going to start having back, putting kids back in school. In Ukraine? School. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, now, is are they really going to go back to school or is he going to say they are and then blow up one of his own schools with nobody in it and say we had these casualties to make it look like Russia is this super enemy again? I don't know. I just, I'd like we'll, to, I want to see in the next week or two if one of their schools happens to get bombed and then you'll know. It's a, it's, he kind of laid the ground for this. The, the, the challenge with false flags is that it's always a simpler solution that an enemy bombed their enemy. Mm-hmm. But we do know that 
countries and governments use false flags, mm-hmm. like the U.S. and the Gulf of Tonkin, yeah. or the proposals around Operation Northwoods. Northwoods, that's right. Yeah, so it, it's tough. Zelensky's lied already several times yeah. when he was like, oh, no, they're bombing the, the nuclear facility. Quick, NATO, no-fly zone. And then they're like, there, there's radiation. Oh, and then you know, the International Atomic Energy. Post a picture with his generals, and it was like four, three years ago. Was it really? Yeah, it was like 2018. There's a video that uh, – this is the remarkable thing. People are like – it looks like a green screen. And then you actually see people online being, it's not a green screen. It's just, it's just because they, they front, like, they do a bunch of lighting. So it makes it look like, like the back isn't, uh, you know, properly connected. You can see his shadow. And I'm like, the image behind him is a still image. The trees aren't moving. There's no movement, no wind, nothing. You, trees move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, whatever, man. I don't know. I just, what I do know is they lie. Everybody well, lies. No, yeah, absolutely. And it's so bizarre how people are willing to be completely cynical about their own political leaders until warfare breaks out. And then every single thing they say is gospel truth. Mm, and if yeah. you if you doubt what they're telling you, you're siding with the enemy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, now you're... They don't become good Put- people. You're a Putin apologist. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. I'm just calling both sides. They're both dirty. Exactly. I like mean, the people just... who have consistently lied to us for their entire time on the public stage didn't miraculously become honest human beings because a conflict broke out on the international stage. Yeah. We got this story here. Let's pull this one up from the from the New York Post. This is just... It's just frustrating. Hunter Biden laptop material <laughs> entered into congressional record. Hey, that's really, really good. They say material uh, uh, from Hunter Biden's infamous laptop was entered in the congressional record at the request of Matt Gates. Mm-hmm. The Florida Republican made the move during a hearing on oversight of the FBI cyber division after its assistant director, Brian Vord- uh, Vordren testified that he didn't have any information about the Hunter Biden laptop, which the Bureau seized from a Delaware uh, repair shop in 2019. House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler initially blocked Gates' request but relented a short time later. Nadler's change of heart came after what Gates described as uh, consultation with majority staff. I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record of this committee content from, files from, and copies from the Hunter Biden laptop. Nadler responded without objection. There's a lot of really nasty stuff in there. But the craziest thing is some of these emails directly implicate Joe Biden in a scandal yeah. involving Ukraine and, and kickbacks, dirty dealing. Well, and all of the same people who told you that this was a baseless conspiracy theory expect you to trust them on Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. And now, I mean, they come back, what? And Jesse Smollett. Two, years, Jesse. <laughs> two years later and say, oh, never mind. It was real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's real now. Even then, they won't say it was like they try, almost try to do this funny thing where it's like, it's real now. It's real now. But like back then, it wasn't. When you were talking about it, it wasn't true. Now it is. You know the stories where they claim the laptop was Russian disinformation? They're yeah. still up. Really? Yeah, they're not corrected. They're opinion pieces masquerading as fact. It's so paranoid. How do we break people out of these this, this, these lies, these manipulations? How do you expose people to the truth and show them the corruption if, if, well, I think if somebody wants to believe that, they're just going to. The, the topic of Russian disinformation is so hysterical given that this is a concept which was lampooned for decades. As soon as the Cold War ended, and even during the Cold War, there was always a very tongue-in-cheek attitude that the American press and American media took towards any suspicion of Russia. But then, as soon as they decided that you should think Russia is a real threat, Millions of people started thinking Russia is a real threat, even though weeks ago they had been making fun of people for even considering the possibility that Russia was a negative actor on the world stage or that we should be frightened by them. So, I mean, if you're able to do that kind of a 180 because the media told you to, I'm not really sure what I can say to you to convince you otherwise. Well, Russia is a threat. 
to I mean, to to uh, Western dominance and sure, global I'm not, domination. Well, sure, I'm not saying that these other countries uh, and other major players on the world stage are not adversarial to us in any way. But my point is, it was considered laughable to say anything negative about Russia. We remember in 2012 when Mitt Romney said that Russia was going to be a large geopolitical foe for us, and he was laughed at by everyone in media. Yeah. And then in in 2016, we go not only. Not, it's not as if they started taking this realistic approach of saying, well, Russia is a, a decently sized nation. They're a world power. Maybe we should be concerned about them. It turned into everything that goes wrong in our country is because of Russia, which is insanely paranoid and a complete 180. And it's just another buzzword. I mean, yeah. like, like, you know, white supremacist, racist, yeah. Yeah. homophobe, you know, it's whatever, it's whatever that, that's going to stick that, that riles people up enough in their emotions mm-hmm. that they don't care what the truth is. I feel this certain way, so I'm gonna I'm gonna express myself and believe you and attack the other person who doesn't agree with me. Mm-hmm. It was a breath of fresh air when the when the biggest viral the, the viral story of the day was that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. <laughs> yes, because I'm just like good distraction. It, but it, it's a good distraction, yeah. but uh, kind of you know uh, literally a good one. Like, can we just back away real quick from being at each other's throats all the time and just argue about WWE on, on right. the Oscar night. Yeah, I mean, I think my instinct and the instinct of a lot of people when that first happened was to say that this is a distraction, there's something important going on that they don't want us to see, but then you dig a little deeper and you go, what are they distracting me from? Something else they were just going to lie to me about anyway and I wouldn't have gotten the truth on? Yeah, I think... Maybe I'm getting jaded, I don't know. Everybody, you know, when it comes to arguing about Chris Rock and Will Smith, it's kind of just, it's relatively nonsensical. Mm-hmm. When it comes to arguing about what's going on with the war, there is a good you know, a, a good point in that we need to, we need to know exactly what's going on with with legitimate information to prevent catastrophe. But for the time being, you know, or I should say, in this current time, people will just believe whatever they're told to believe. Yeah, people on the left are like the media can lie to me a million and one times, and I will still believe whatever they say. Well, because they're not going to the media to get actual facts; they're going to the media to watch the media forward a particular narrative. And so, if they get information wrong, it's actually inconsequential because they're still doing their job, which is telling me things that make me feel like I'm a good and virtuous person for supporting left wing causes. It kind of goes back to the. I mean, they've almost got the abusive relationship syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where. Yeah. You know, you're going to beat me down, but then you're going to apologize and I'll accept it. And then you're going to do it again, and but you're never going to do it again. But then mm-hmm. you do it again, but I love you and I'm afraid nobody's going <laughs> to love me if I don't. So I just keep coming back for you. I hear you, but it's, it's, but it's worse than that because there's never an apology. Dude, I'd like flowers every once in a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. I should have gotten I some wonder, chocolates after Russiagate at least when the yeah. deep state tried to depose a democratically elected president. No, nothing. Just story blew over. I wonder if there's like a, a, a funny bit on uh, business models that operate the same way. They consistently don't do their job, but keep apologizing and you keep hiring. You, you, your toilet breaks. <laughs> right, that. Be- so you hire a plumber and he walks in and he's like, all right, let me get to it. Eight hours later, he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'm leaving. That'll be, you know, 500 bucks. And they look and there's just crap everywhere. We and- have those. It's called hedge funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just yeah. keep doing it. And, and it's also, uh, it's also very true of political leaders. You see this all the time. Whenever someone's running for re-election, they go, the country still has all of these problems. I didn't fix it in the first oh. two years or four years. If, give me another four years to not fix years. it. Yeah, or 47 years. Any, give me more time to not do the thing that I was supposed to already have done. If any other industry operated the way the media does, oh. just think about yeah. calling your, uh, you know, hiring groundskeepers to like mow your lawn. And they leave and send you an invoice and you walk outside and they didn't mow your lawn. You'd be like, okay, well, they didn't, they didn't, or worse still, they mowed, we, they, they mowed it all yeah. awfully and then they mowed your neighbors 
and you're like, okay, like, hey, you guys made a huge mistake, and they go, no, we didn't. You, yeah, they call yeah. you. They're like, they're like, actually, that is. A, you're like, hey, you guys messed my lawn. They're like, that's Russian disinformation. Here's yeah. a, let me send you a Snorps article. We actually did a great job mowing your lawn. You're just against perfect. the Skaggs mower I used. What's wrong <laughs> exactly. with exactly. Yeah. But it, it, it's funny that we tolerate this. Yeah. This is supposed to be one of the most vital services for for a country, and it's just broken. I gotta say though, I think we're tolerating it less. More people are paying attention to independent. But what's media. being done about it? Yeah, I, mean, I think people are just not paying attention. Because no you know what it is? All right, we're about to go a little bit. So you mentioned abusive relationships, and I want to take a little bit further on that uh, analogy because when you are dealing with someone who is truly toxic. One of the best things you can do is just stop paying attention to them. You're probably never going to hold them accountable. You're never going to get them to admit they were wrong. You just have to remove them from your life. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing with mainstream media. Yeah. It's about time, I suppose, because yeah. no other industry gets like fails at their job this miserably. Mm -hmm. and, well, I guess government. I was getting ready to say. <laughs> yeah, DC is pretty, uh, they've set the tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what will wake people up? What will get people to, to finally, cause I've asked everybody this. Nothing, people do not get involved in anything in life until it affects them personally. Yeah. For the most part. That's just the way it is. If we can just go about our business and just pretend it's not there, put my head in the sand, I'll just keep going on. But once, like once I was affected by it personally, mm -hmm. I took it more serious. And then I, I was encouraged to reach out to people and go, whoa, they're lying. Hey, pay attention. But before then, I knew they lied. But it was like, it's not affecting me. So, I mean, it is, but it's not, you know, not personally on a personal, mm -hmm. hard for, hardcore, right to the bone level. Mm -hmm. And once it does that, it's kind of like drinking and driving. Doesn't bother you to somebody you know gets killed by a drunk driver. Yeah. And then you're like, oh man, that's horrible. Or overdose. You know, my, my, my cousin died of a, of a fentanyl overdose. And it's like, took a little blue pill that she thought was a muscle relaxer that somebody gave her and wow. boom, gone. I'm sorry. What did, so, it, what did it turn out to be? Fentanyl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. You just said that. Yeah. So, you know, and and while you put the good fight out for it, it's still not as personal until it affects you. And then, yep. you know, you just feel a little different. Yeah, I mean, so speaking of which, I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the uh, the Breonna Taylor case. I'm not sure when we wanted to get into that in your story and, and what you feel to me. We got it. We got about. We, we're, we're getting there. Because, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, then, on, on the thread that we were just on. Your question is, what can we do to get people to wake up to this stuff? Make funny cartoons? I think making funny yeah. cartoons is one thing, but here's the thing. Everyone in this room, anyone doing anything politically related for a career or talking about that stuff is completely useless and their job doesn't have a point if if our audiences aren't standing up for these values in their everyday life. So one thing that's been said on this show before by you, I believe, and it's something maybe I was a little too cynical to accept at the time, but I would more or less agree with now, is that... With, with most people who buy into the narrative, if you were to sit down and have a half-hour-long conversation, even a 10-minute-long conversation with them about a lot of these issues, they would come away with a different perspective. Not the people who are ideologically possessed, but just your average person who believes in this stuff. And so the solution is just for the people who are watching this show and who believe in what's being said here to be more willing to have conversations with people around them. And I know it's frightening. I know a lot of people are scared to do it. But there is never going to be any significant change unless that occurs. 
because we're just talking to you. And, it, and it's funny because audiences will look to their preferred political commentators to talk about this stuff. And what you don't realize is like we are looking at you guys to talk about this stuff. It's very, it's a very, it's it's a two way street. Yeah, everybody. And, yeah, exactly. It can't just be us talking about this. It can't just be us having this con- or these conversations. You got to bring this stuff up around people you know who can be persuaded. I'm tired of hearing about secret Trump supporters. You know, yeah. the secret Trump vote. I'm like. Why was it a secret? Why didn't you tell anybody? Mm-hmm. The only reason anybody had anything to fear if they were a Trump supporter is because Trump supporters wouldn't speak up. No, exactly. Now, you had a mix, though. Some Trump supporters wouldn't shut up about it. Right. Flying flags everywhere on their trucks and stuff. I can respect that. Then you have a lot of people who are like, oh, I better not say anything. And it's like, just say it because if everybody did, you'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, people are scared. It's exactly of everything. It. It's, it's amazing how scared this country has gotten. Just, I mean, on every level. And I don't know if that's been the course over the years of, you know, I remember back in uh, probably 2010, we were in a big meeting at, at work and um, one of the, the higher ups was talking. And he was like, well, you know, perception is reality. We can't do that. And I was like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Perception is not reality. Reality is reality. Right. Amen. And I get what you're saying. You got to be careful how you frame stuff, but it doesn't matter what. This guy thinks of perception. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Tim thinks, if his perception is different than 50 people, but we're worried about his perception, so we're not given the truth, mm-hmm. then we're hurting the other 50 people just right. to please the one. And it's just got well, out that's of control. What... It just kept going and going. And now we're, we're, where we're at. We're so politically correct. Everybody's scared to tell the truth. Nobody has thick skin where they can take the truth. Yeah. And so we just shut up and, and then the loud ones run the country. When people mm-hmm. say perception is reality, there's, there's, there's a good point being made. Right. I understand that. that. You know, what you, what, what you see kind of dictates what you focus on and how you live your life. But, uh, the problem with, the problem we have with journalists is that they've taken that to heart. And instead of saying, I should seek other perspectives to fill out the narrative, they say, if I say it, it's true. Because perception is reality and my perception is all that matters. So instead of doing any research and telling the truth, they're just like, eh, what I think goes. I think both of you made points about the most vocal people representing the movement. And yeah, that's very much a consequence of your average person who exists within any of these movements or leans towards those movements being way too afraid to say anything. And so unless you want your movement to be painted exclusively by the folks who are willing to talk, you have to stand up and say something. And that's the point I really want to stress for everyone. I know I say it pretty often on these shows, but if you guys aren't out there talking about this stuff, there's no point for us to be doing this. There's I wanna, no I wanna, point. I want to just jump straight into this next story because uh, this is about Brandon Taylor's mother. She's meeting with DOJ and demanding federal charges against the officers in the Brandon Taylor death. So this took place in 2020. This story is significant for a few reasons. One, it plays into the heart of what I've been saying over the past several weeks. Specifically, Trayvon Martin's story was fake. The Michael Brown story was fake. The George Floyd story was heavily lied about. The Ahmed Arbery story heavily lied about. All these stories, I say they're fake. I'll clarify. They were all extreme exaggerations and manipulations by the media to the point where in the in the George Zimmerman incident with Trayvon Martin, they edited the audio. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think it was NBC News, NBC right? News, yeah. They edited the audio to make it sound like he was racist. Mm-hmm. They cut out key context. They've done this for basically every single major story that's resulted in Black Lives Matter riots. And then when you try and get the real story, if you're able to get it, it's like all of a sudden you go, wow. Now, the interesting thing here is Republicans have a, a general polling advantage from real clear politics of about 3.4 points and with 530 at about 2.2 points. When Democrats have a five point advantage or less, they lose seats in the House. Republicans have a, have a, have, a, have an advantage 
which is to suggest that people aren't falling for these stories anymore. Mm-hmm. Here's where it gets crazy. So we're sitting here with uh, John Mattingly. You were there. You were involved in the whole incident. And the media and the activists are still lying about what happened, trying to put pressure on the government to make changes and to get certain politicians elected. Right. So for, we'll, we'll start here. Like, what's this story about? And then we can go back and you can we can get into the, the details. Yeah, so this was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, they went to D.C., her and Ben Crump, the, the clown that, that, guy, yeah. Yeah, that runs around and mm-hmm. destroying cities and takes his money and jets. He's a lawyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, which I guess. <laughs> it sounds, well, I'm, I mean, like, he can barely put formally. two sentences together. I don't know how he's a lawyer, but, you know, he just mumbles and jumbles when he talks. Um, so they went there and they met with the DOJ. And the, the funny thing is, you know, during all this, I requested meetings with the FBI. Denied. Wouldn't talk to me. Uh, they've met with them several times. And I'm thinking, well, how are you only talking to one side? That doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, that's, that's a whole nother thing. So she went there and they talked about, um, you know, what's going on in the case? When are you going to do something? When are you going to do something? And the very next day, uh, Katie Cruz was indicted by the feds or two days later, a day or two later. And, and who's Katie Cruz? So Katie Cruz. So the day when, when all these riots started, the first night in Louisville, uh, there were seven people shot in the, the very first night of riots downtown. Boom, boom, boom. People were being just crazy. And so the next night, um, you know, the police presence was still there. It was still heavy. Things were still out of control. The crowd had moved from downtown because they were blocking streets off and stuff to, to more toward the west end of Louisville. And we're at 26 and Broadway. There's a little store there that it's called Dino's and it's always been a super problem area. Shootings, robberies, uh, drug activity. Just, it's just out of control area. So, however, these people were no longer rioting because they were in their neighborhood. It was basically a huge block party. Mm. I mean, the people were shooting guns. They were doing illegal stuff, but they weren't causing destruction like downtown. They weren't, you know, doing the the things that would require police presence to be forceful. And so our department decided that they were going to send officers down there to clear it out. They were breaking the curfew that was enacted by the mayor, um, which I don't agree with those either. But so when they sent them down there to enforce this curfew and make all these people leave this lot, um, there was some activity going on. I think there were some gunshots right down the block. And two other crews, from what I've heard, had turned down the request by the chief's office. Wow. Go down there and take it. They went by, looked. They said, mm, too dangerous, out of control. I'm not putting my guys in that, that situation. Yeah. Okay, so they called another one. Nope, not putting my guys in that situation. They called the third group. He sent their people down there with the National Guard. So Katie, following commands, they're like, all right, if they won't disperse, shoot some pepper balls. That'll put the, the OC in the air, and it'll, it'll irritate people enough where they'll go inside. She fired some pepper balls at that time. Uh one of the business owners that owned a barbecue shop right across the street from that gas station comes out and shoots a gun at him. Whoa. So the National Guard fired back and killed him. Right. I remember this story. Yeah. And so just a couple of weeks ago, she was indicted on civil rights violation for shooting a pepper ball. Whoa. Because they said her shooting the pepper ball caused him to think he was getting shot at and he oh, fired back. Now, how they can know from a dead man what his thoughts were? You know, shooting back at them. Pepper it, balls do not sound like guns. No, no. Anybody who's gone to a paintball range and has ever gone to a gun range knows, come on. And, you know, 
that guy had video in his in his business, kind of like you have here, you know, cameras all over. So he had some great angles, and you could see everything that happened. And our mayor would not release that until the media found out there was good video and pressured him, and then he released it because everything they do is just just such. He he comes out and says, "Oh, we're we are very uh, transparent. Transparency is the way to be, which it should be. You should be very transparent. If you're if you're operating on the government's dime and they're paying you." There should be no stone uncovered. Everything should be wide open. If you are a cop, these day, right now, I'm telling you, you're going to prison. Yeah, it's like it's no good. They're hunt. They're head hunting. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've seen all of these riots. Summer is around the corner. Summer is when riots pick up. I'm not entirely convinced it'll be nearly as bad as 2020. A lot of people were, a lot, were they were angry for a lot of reasons. You know, COVID locked them down. People were on edge. We may see things get pretty crazy, especially considering it's an election year. We got the midterms coming up and it's going to be serious. If, if Democrats lose the house, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you to the, all the, all the cops out there, you, they're going to get called out. Yeah. They're going to get called out to a riot and they're going to be, and they're going to uh, get, get, be given a reasonable order as, as it pertains to a violent riot of people smashing windows and burning things down. Something will happen. You'll go to prison. And here's the catch 22 in that. I've sworn an oath to protect and serve and as a citizen, I'm looking at the police going, why are you not acting when they're burning our stuff down? Why are, you know, now they're being told by command. They do, they follow orders. Unfortunately, sometimes yeah. that's good, sometimes that's bad, but they're following orders and they're told to stand down. And a lot of them are looking at it now. What you just said, Tim, they're going, if I act, I'm going to prison. Screw that. That building ain't worth me going to prison. Good. So, so they're standing down. So now you, the, the citizens are mad at you because you're letting stuff burn. The, the, the government's mad at you if you do act or they come at you. So it, it's a no win situation. Not too bad, too, well, I, too, 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 too bad for the citizens. Too bad for the, too bad for the yeah. civilians who wouldn't say, hey, maybe it's reasonable that we have a police force yeah. that's going to stop people burning buildings down. Yeah. If they won't stand up for the cops that are going out just trying to stop rioting, well, then you deserve what you get. And that's yeah. cops being like, look, if you don't got my back, I don't got yours. I can't. Yeah, I was just well, going to say that. Well, there you go. That's the city you get. I, I think it's really, I think it's unbelievably horrific for a police officer to fail to do their duty, to fail to protect the people that they're supposed to, to protect. At the same time, if you're a citizen and you're lamenting this, ask yourself the question, if one of these police officers acted in a way which was justified to protect somebody else's livelihood and prevent their business from being burned down, and then they were placed on trial and the media was calling them a terrible racist, would you say anything? Would you say anything to the people at work? who were calling that man a racist for trying to protect people? Probably not. No. I mean, statistically, probably not. So it's not just that police officers aren't doing their jobs. They certainly aren't. But nobody is. No one's standing up for the things they're supposed to stand up for. No one is standing up for civility. This country's falling apart, man. Well, it's like... like it's, we're here. Yeah. Our viewers are here. We're, we're, we're a community of people who care. There are a lot of people in this country who care. But there's too many people, even who do, who they care about what's going on, are unwilling to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, I... From personal experience, I can tell you, we've reached out to a lot of people. If you're willing to have me on, other people are. But there's a lot of people who still do not want to attach my name to anything. Can you name theirs. them? Do you want to name them? Mm. You want to call anybody out? No, you don't have to. No, we, no I don't want I, 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 Here's what I'll call out. So I'm supposed to, we were supposed to go speak in Ohio. I won't give you the city, huh. but we're supposed to go speak in Ohio in, on, in April. And they were going to use a training facility of this police department. And the police department was still charging them. Mm-hmm. They were charging them to use their facility. And once they put the flyer out and it showed my picture on it, the chief of that department said, no, nope, you're not using our training facility. He, wow. He's not welcome here. For just a training? It was. It's a support thing for right, spouses. Right, right. 
who go through critical incidents. Wow. And they, and, and, and this group that was bringing us in is huge on bringing the community and the police together to try to, to try to merge them. You know, you know what I think is that, uh, we often talk about the problems of policing. You know, I've certainly complained about the cops who are enforcing COVID lockdowns and like yeah, arresting salon too. owners. Oh, but I, but it's not, it's, I don't, it's not a police problem. Like this particular instance when a cop, when, when this cop arrests a salon owner, like, yeah, that was a, that was a cop problem. The problem is just cultural and moral decay in the United States extends beyond the population and into police departments. So what happens is you'll get a dude who's, uh, he works maybe at a, um, an, an insurance company and they're doing a bunch of, or, or how about this? He works at a Home Depot and then Home Depot comes out and says, everybody, you got to do the woke stuff. I think this was in Canada. They did this. And that guy says, I'm not going to say anything because my, my, my protecting myself and my assets is more important. I don't want my family to be sick or starve. Now I can certainly understand that, but what that means is that, that, that the cultural and moral connections of our society are gone. Mm-hmm. Granted that happened in Canada, but just an example, mm-hmm. if you work for a company and you won't speak up that for that same reason, neither will firefighters, neither will police, neither will politicians, not, nobody would. But yeah. That kind of goes back to your point, which you made a few minutes ago, where it's our job to protect the city. But you said you can understand why they wouldn't. But well, this is at, right. I understand, but at what point do you go? Okay, no matter what my sacrifice is, I'm willing to go out there because I want change. No, this is exactly my point. That when regular people aren't showing up to city meetings, being like, "Look, we understand police reform can be done, and there are problems people are upset about." But at the very least, stopping a riot should not be questionable. Right. But they don't do it. These people are going to be like, oh, I'm not going to say anything because then they'll come and ride at my house. Yeah. And, and, and okay, well, then the cops aren't going to do anything. And you know what's worse? The cops are going to show up to your house when you're the victim and arrest you. You yep. see that guy in Wisconsin? Yep. Guy was in his house. BLM showed up. The McCloskeys? No, 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 no. Oh. no. In Wisconsin, a guy was in his oh, house. Yeah. Guy. BLM showed up to his house protesting. The same organizer organized a previous protest and that, that set fire to another house. So this guy brandishes a shotgun through his window. As one should. I mean, if people yeah, are going to potentially burn your house down, that's not. Now, now to be fair, I'm not giving people advice and saying you should do that. No, I, mean, I don't think he should have done that. You don't think no, he should? Nobody was going you shouldn't on. point a gun at them, but I think to that's let what people know that you're okay. Well, then no, you brandishing should not. was he's, yeah, he pointed okay. the shotgun towards the window at the crowd. Yeah, no, then you should have done. It. You should not holding it up. I'd be like, fine, whatever. But yes. either way, you're in your own house. Yes, I, I I have questions about. First of all, I can say don't point your weapon at someone unless you intend ever, to use it. Ever, 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 right. ever, unless you intend to use it. Yeah. That being said, if you're on your own property and you're and and you're holding your weapon, mm-hmm. you know. There's questions there, but the, ultimately the, the real issue is the cops showed up, went to his house and arrested mm-hmm. him to cheers from Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. They cheered. The same group that wants to abolish the police was cheering when the police did the, did what they mm-hmm. wanted. They'll go into your house and arrest you. The McCloskeys are a good example, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They broke on a private property, destroyed the fence. The McCloskeys came out armed on their own property yeah. as they're legally Never allowed to. It. Oh, Never she pointed was, it. She was, she was pointed. She was dangerous she was, with it. She didn't know what she was doing. Yeah, but, but she did point yeah. it. You can see her pointing at least one guy. Okay. And people thought this guy's boom mic on his camera was a gun. But hold on there a minute. A guy was holding a black object with a boom mic. Yeah, sure. In hindsight, you can tell it's not a gun. Did she know that? No, the adrenaline's flowing. Right. You got, I you mean, got even train, people Even trained your... people, that's tough in that quick of a second to distinguish. Yeah. But somebody that's not trained coming out with that adrenaline dump and mm-hmm. the fear, mm-hmm. I mean – your rationale, it just goes away a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, you have to consider if you're in your house and you're with your family and there are people outside of your house who, as you mentioned, had burned down a house previously, it's, it's again, you should never, ever point a gun at people if you're not willing to use it. But um, 
for for people to know that you have some ability to protect yourself is obviously a good thing for you and your family and your security. If, if you're going to burn my house down, I'm going to use it. Yeah, so. yeah, like, well, if someone's, exactly, if yeah. someone tries to burn your house down, they should know that it's on the table. Like, well, if you try to burn my house down and kill my family, I will, I will shoot you to prevent that from occurring. You have the right to defend yourself. Yeah. From, from the, this violence and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So here we go. What I'd like to say, you know, especially in the past several weeks, just name a story around Black Lives Matter and it was fake. Mm-hmm. Na- name a single Black Lives Matter story that wasn't fake. Well, and they were all is, fake. I mean, this not, is not, not true. I, I want to make sure uh-huh. I clarify. People died. Yes. There, there is obviously some, some things were done wrong or improperly, but the point is the media narratives coming out of all of these stories were untrue to mm-hmm. some degree. Yeah. And this is part of why I really want to, to dig into this is because as someone on the, the right and someone who's very skeptical of BLM and their narratives, part of what sort of convinced me on the, the Breonna Taylor case, and again, this is some coming from someone who didn't pay as close attention to it as they did some of the other ones is that, you know, even Rand Paul, was saying that we should end no-knock raids, which I agree with, but he titled his bill after Breonna Taylor. Justice so, for Breonna Taylor. Justice for Breonna Taylor. So to me, and of course the mob still stopped him and said, say her name, even though he created a bill. Well, let, let's, let's, let's do this. But, let's, let's start from the beginning because we have John here. Yeah. To just tell us the story. A lot of people don't know about what went down with Breonna Taylor. I'm sure many activists will just accuse you of lying. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, Let's see, uh, if you would like to, you know, give us the breakdown of the story. I know you have a book about it, but you can just tell us what happened and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'll give you the, the 5,000 view story of it. Mm-hmm. So that night, um, we were asked to help. What, can you, do you know the date specifically? Yeah, so March 12th is when the briefing was. We didn't breach the door until March 13th, which is Friday night, full moon. Um, I came out from the briefing and I had two flat tires. It started pouring down rain. I got soaking wet while I was moving my stuff from one car to the other. So everything was just kind of, one of those nights. Can you, can you, what was the briefing? It was for, so we, we had a, two separate briefings. SWAT did their briefing because they were, they were executing the warrants down Elliott. Um, the guys who were assisting them that were going to do the searches were at our brief along with us. All the, the houses that we were doing were on the board. They showed above it. Fortunately, I took a picture. It showed above it. No knock, no knock, no knock. It got to ours. It said knock and announce. So they had changed it. They were all signed as no knocks. So technically, we served a no-knock warrant, but it was not served as a no-knock. Uh, it was signed by a judge as a no-knock, but once it did not fit the parameters of a no-knock, we didn't serve it as a no-knock. We did the thing we're supposed to do. We corrected it and didn't do it. So the only reason it was served, it was written as a no-knock is because Jamarcus Glover's history, he had five, I believe it was five felony pending cases for guns and drugs. He had ran from the police. Uh, and these were active cases, not including the ones he'd already been in, in, charged with and, and pled guilty to previously for Mississippi and Louisville. And so once they realized they had a ping on his, on his phone and a tracker on his car, they knew he would not be on Springfield. So they said, we're not doing that one as a no-knock because it didn't justify being a no-knock. He wasn't there. And they said, uh, we think it's only Brianna Taylor at the house. We don't think there's any kids, no dogs, nobody else there with her. Okay, cool. They've been watching this house for a while, so... I had assumed that their uh, intelligence was good on the house, that it was just going to be Breonna Taylor. They said she's a heavy set black female. Give her time to come to the door. Give her more time than usual. Because normally it's about 10 seconds. You're banging on the door. Please search warrant. If you don't hear anything, then you go ahead and hit it. So this one, when we went, we showed up, and we gave it 45 seconds to a minute. It was, I think, six different cadences of knocking on the door and yelling police search warrant. The first two were just regular knocks, hoping she would just come to the door, be quiet, the neighbors wouldn't know. After she didn't come, 
started banging open hand really loud, yelling police search warrant. The neighbor upstairs heard us, came out, argued with our guys. They kept telling him to go inside. He didn't want to go back inside. Um, so finally he did. We hit the door. Um, once the door opened, I could see from right to left in the living room. And I was on the left of the door jam. And Mike, the guy who did the ram, was on the right because you never stand in the fatal funnel in case somebody shoots through the right. door. So once the door came over, I scanned to the right to left. Everybody at this point yelling, police search warrant, police search warrant. When I turned the corner, I had to step right in the doorway just to see down this hall. And as soon as I did, there was an ambient light coming out from the TV down the hall. Uh, we had lights on our guns. As soon as I turned the corner, I saw two people overlapping each other. It was like a big blob, but with a tall head and a short head. And they were both down the, and this hallway is only maybe three, four feet wide at the most. So very narrow hallway because it had an inset where Kenneth was standing that goes into the next bedroom. And that's Brianna's boyfriend? Yes. It's her boyfriend at this time. And so as soon as my eyes got to Kenneth, I never even got all the way to Brianna, even though they were like, it was basically one person, but I never got to her face. As soon as I got to where Kenneth was, I could see the gun because the flashlight. All I saw was the metal tip of the gun. And my brain was like, oh, and boom, it was over. He shot. He shot first. Yes, he shot. I felt it hit my leg. I returned fire. I got four rounds off. Yeah. Was the first shot fired? It hit you? Yes. So so you open the door. Kenneth, uh, what's, do you know his last name? Walker. Walker. Fires one round, striking you in the leg. Right. And then the other officers return fire? Correct. I fired four. I got offline is what it's called. So boom, 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 real quick. Four shots. Got behind the door frame, came around, shot two more. At that time, I felt my leg, realized there was a ton of blood. And I've seen, you know, countless gunshot victims over 21 years. And a normal leg shot that doesn't hit an artery is, it doesn't bleed much. I mean, you might have a trickle of blood down your leg. That's it. Well, this one, as soon as I put my hand on my thigh, I could feel just a glob. And I was like, oh, man. And I announced at the door. I mean, everything happened so quick. So I got six rounds off in probably less than two seconds. I mean, it's how quick this whole exchange happens. It's over before you even realize what's going on. Training kicks in and you just react. So I remember yelling, it hit my femoral artery. And I sat down on my bottom because I thought, I can't, I'm going to pump the blood out. That's what I was thinking in my head. And as I did that, Miles stepped up and was shooting already. And I thought, I can't stay here. I'm going to get shot by crossfire. So I jump up and I hobble out and I fall between the cars. And uh, my lieutenant comes up and they start working on me. I'm like, dude, I need a tourniquet. Get me a tourniquet. And uh, they finally got one, got it on, and got the bleeding stopped. But at that time, you got people say, well, why why was there so many shots fired? 12 Seconds in the Dark, the book, the title comes from the time that door came open until it was silent from no gunshots. The chaos stopped, and that was about 10 to 12 seconds from what we've tried to reenact it and see. And so much happened, so much chaos, so many things go through your mind in that 12 seconds that it's just amazing how much damage can be done in that small amount of time and how much aftermath damage the city, the country, the nation from 12 seconds and it's just it's it's sad so uh so you get out of there mm-hmm. you you say you collapse between two cars about how what was the distance between, between the door and where you ended up on the ground with getting medical attention so i'll try to give you a visual of it uh if you're looking at an apartment complex and they have the the inside where the stairs go up to the top you've got that little foyer area which is maybe i don't know 12 feet deep and 10 feet wide that's where we were at i was, was, all, this was ground ground floor right ground floor yeah. And so I was all the way on the inside. So I hobbled out of there, then a sidewalk, a curb, and then the length of a car. So I went down between the cars, but scooted to the edge of the cars. And that's when my lieutenant grabbed my vest and pulled me out and got to work. But the thing about Kenneth Walker, 
you know, he keeps saying he didn't know it was the police. First, he, first they said nobody knocked and announced. Then he comes back later and goes, yeah, we heard him knocking. We heard him banging. And I thought it was some, her ex-boyfriend is what he said. Um, so if you thought, but then he said he thought somebody was doing a home invasion. If you thought that, why would you have your girlfriend? They got up, got dressed. He retrieved a gun. Why would you tell your girlfriend, come in the hall with me? I'd imagine if he thought it was her boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like they genuinely but thought if you, it was. But if you're that scared for your life that you're willing to shoot, wouldn't you have right. her call 911? Stay in here and call 911. Get him over here. I mean, you know, it's a tough question about whether or not somebody wants to call the police to a situation that's about to get hot, whether they're even thinking about it, how someone reacts. I mean, you know, you're talking about 12 seconds. They hear a big bang. It's about 45 seconds. I can't assume these people would would react the same way I would. I can't assume they trust cops, you know, to come and resolve the problem. Right. But more importantly, I mean, it's even fair to say they're not going to call the cops because they might be involved in illicit dealings or something. And so this that's, is street justice. That's probably more the case. So when they downloaded his phone after the fact, they found text messages in there with him and other guys. You know, there's pictures of him with his gun, which is no big deal. Everybody can have a gun. Uh, but they had it also with a bag of, like, pills that were probably fentanyl pills because they were the same little blue pills, weed, whatever. Nobody cares about weed. And so – but he was selling. There's text messages in there, him selling all this stuff to different people. That's irrelevant. The one that, that stuck out was the one where these other guys said, hey, do you want to hit this lick with us? And he said, well, how much is it worth? And they said, 20 grand. He was like, it's fine, but I always do my homework first, meaning he sets up, watches people, see how they react. Yeah. And again, this guy didn't have a job. He was getting ready to start. One day it was UPS. The next day it was postal. I don't know which one it was, but he was getting ready to start a job. That's always the case. Getting ready to get my life together. And so a lot of times what these, what these drug dealers will do, they'll rob other drug dealers. That's just common practice. They won't report it to the police because what are you going to say? They stole my drugs and money. <laughs> and, but the way they do it is they'll go up and they'll bang on a door and yell police. And when that door gets open, they've got a gun in and yep. they rob them. That happens and all the time. You think that's what he thought was happening? I, I don't know if that was his MO of previous cases that he had done. Yep. So he thought, uh oh, it's coming back on me. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say because he's lied so many times. We don't know the truth. There's the simple uh, uh, general circumstance, nuance excluded, that I've mentioned in the past, that if you're a, a law-abiding citizen armed legally and someone kicks your door in and you don't know it's the police, you have a right to defend yourself from Absolutely. a perceived home invasion. I agree. Absolutely. There have been many you know, stories I've seen, uh, uh, read about, or a couple at least, where plainclothes cops you know, are serving a no-knock warrant or something and then they get shot and the person ends up you know, going to prison or whatever. And I'm like, dude. I think that's horrible, yeah. But uh, well, when I, you say plainclothes, let me, let me correct this because this was a big sticking point in ours too because we were in what's called plainclothes. Mm. However, we had tactical vest on that said police across the front. Yeah. Uh, we had our badges on, um, you know, seven white dudes going to a black guy's house. It's just not the norm that's going to go rob a drug right. dealer. It's just not – it doesn't happen. Um Let's, let's go ahead. I was gonna say let's was, talk, let's let, let's 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 move forward with the story a little bit and, and talk about the lies. So the big narrative that comes out is that Brandon Taylor was sleeping in her bed, and you guys just basically shot into the house willy nilly, killing her while she slept. Yeah, the big thing not was, true. We came in in the middle of the night, didn't knock, didn't announce, and killed her in her sleep. So she was sleeping before we got there, but Ben Crump's the one that kept pushing this. She was asleep in her bed thing, sleep over, over, over. He kept, he came out initially and said. They even had the wrong house. They weren't even supposed to be there. And I'm going, oh my God, we've got the, we've got the search warrant, but our city refused to put it out. They, I'm like, just show them the address and name on it. It's all you got to do. You know, this doesn't hurt the investigation one bit. 
Do you, do you, you mentioned before that, uh, they were gentrifying the area? Yes. Something was going on with that. What was that about? So down on Elliott, which is where Glover was at, where they, where SWAT did the no knocks. For years, they had been buying up these properties. What they would do is they would go in and they would condemn them, buy them from the homeowners for a buck apiece. And so the city had had taken the majority of that block. In 2000, I believe it was 18, they had the University of Kentucky's engineering department or architectural department draw up plans for this new um, vitalized area. And it looked nice. And you do want areas like that to be revitalized, but you've got to do it the right way. You can't just go in and bully people out of their houses and basically steal it as a government. I don't agree with that. So what they did was they sent a map out through their through their email and it had the houses they already had marked off and it showed the houses they needed to still get. So in January they started this new unit up called PBI Place Based Investigations. They got it from Cincinnati. And what that what this was supposed to do is go after your most violent or your most troublesome areas to clean up those neighborhoods. Because even in these poor neighborhoods, eighty percent of the people are great people. They really are. Yeah. They're just stuck in an area that they can't get out of. True. And I think the government resources could be used so much different to get these people on their feet and out. For instance, and, and this is off topic of this, but this is just my little rant on this kind of stuff. Because when you keep these people entrapped like this and enslaved with all the government assistance and their inability to get out, then it causes these problems to compound. And these guys are looking for ways out by selling drugs or robbing people or doing whatever they have to do to survive. I mean, it does become survival of the fittest in some of these areas. If you go in these areas at night, it's like a third world country. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. And that's the problem with most of the citizens. They don't live in those areas, so they don't know what it's like when you go after dark and there's gunshots and there's fights and there's, I mean, it's just, you go, oh, my goodness, it, this wasn't like this two hours ago. You know, when the sun was up, yeah. it's just different. But I think they could go in and, and say you're on Section 8 or assistance. Instead of just constantly giving you money, why don't they – or I mean, these women get trapped. Okay, here's your assistance, but if you make X amount of money, we're taking that assistance away. Why don't you let them succeed in their careers for five years and then slowly taper off the assistance while they're achieving this so they can get out of this environment? Right, I agree. I mean, then in the end, the government's saving money because you're not keeping these people on your payroll for their entire life, and you're helping the community by getting them out and getting them established. And then 15, 20 years from now, when they're having kids and their kids are having kids, You've got a totally different. It's like turning yeah. the pond over every year, yeah. you know, and you get you get new stuff. But on this case, the gentrification, he was. They were they came in and and a guy from uh, the mayor's office came in every single week and met with this unit and all the bosses, all the assistant chiefs would come in, and they would come in. They would talk about what they needed to do to secure the rest of this. What were you doing? They would go and write on the whiteboard. I was never involved in any of those meetings. Didn't care. Didn't want to be. I had my own job. Um, but they were there every single week. And when this all came down, the mayor was like, well, I don't know why they were there. I have no idea. And when that came up, the gentrification, he was like, well, I didn't know anything about that. And But his name's on the emails. Yeah, He knew. This was a guy from his office conducting these meetings. His uh, A woman that he ended up having an affair with, allegedly, was the project manager for this thing. So... There's a lot of things that, that are going on. This sounds like what actually happened with the story is dirtier and bigger than people realize. Yes. I mean, when you mentioned that, I'm like, this sounds like there's probably real estate developers involved who go to the city and say, we want to turn a profit. So he says, we're going to clean up this neighborhood. You got it. What's well, funny, then, he uses a certain friend. Um, I won't say his name, but he uses a certain friend. They already 
redeveloped one end of the town that was a, a real bad end of town. It's called Nulu now. And it's, they brought in restaurants and, and it's neat. You know, it's kind of a yuppie area. Um, but the same developer got all those bids, all those contracts, yep. and he was the one that was going to get these. So there was a lot of under the table deals going on. And unfortunately, the police are always used as the pawns, like we were talking about earlier with the, uh, with the vaccine stuff mandates enforcing that. Yep. If I can use the police who have the authority, as my pawns to go do it, then I can look back and go, man, it wasn't me. It was the cops. These, but these cops just need to say, I'm not going to. A hundred percent. They yeah. do. Yes, they do. Well, well let's, let, I want to carry on the story yeah. though. So, so, so here you are now. You, you wake up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Grant Taylor has died. Uh, did Kenneth get injured in any way? No. So you, you're, uh, what, what happens? You pass out on the ground? No, I stayed alert, conscious the whole time. And I've told people, and I've told people, cause I've, I've went around and talked to some people about critical incidents and, you're not required by law to give a statement right away because in critical incidents, a lot of people, if you wait a few days, some things, you start remembering stuff that you've, you know, for your own protection, you blocked out. And, but for some reason, when I woke up, it was like it was burned into my brain. And I say, I wish I would have at least, if I didn't give my official statement, I wish I would have recorded it that day because it hadn't changed one bit. I mean, yeah. everything I said then, I said now, the only things I forgot, I forgot I had put a ball cap on that night because I got rained on, and I'm real conscious about my hair, so I threw a hat on because it was all all messed up. Yeah. Um, so I forgot about that. But other than that, it was like it was burned in me. So, um, But I waited 12 days to give a statement because I was in the hospital then recovering on pain meds and all that. And so that became an issue because they were like, Oh, it's a cover up. Why do you wait so long to give a statement? I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, yeah, this is my statement. It hadn't changed. Every interview is the same. But, um, so what did you ask me on that particularly? No, just, just what happens next. So you, 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 you're, you're injured. You stay up all night. You're in the hospital. I'm wondering, you know, what happens when you realize this was turning into a national story? There were like, was it riots are starting up or, or the news is picking it up? So the, one of the first things I asked my wife, I was like, Man, was anybody hurt? Cause I didn't know. I didn't know if anybody had been shot in the apartment. Cause you know, I was busy trying to tend to myself and say, yeah. stay alive. Um, and they told me, yeah, it was a female. And I was like, crap. Cause I knew when I came there, the taller one was probably a guy. I couldn't pick him out, but you know, you kind of knew you can kind of tell body types. And I was like, man, cause every cop's biggest fear is, or at least mine. I can't speak for everybody. My biggest fear in this career has always been, I don't want to accidentally shoot or kill the wrong person. I mean, that's just a thought that you're constantly playing because there's been other times I could have been involved in shootings where people pulled guns or I've been shot at in another warrant and didn't return fire because I couldn't see through what I was shooting at. And because the fear is always, I only want to do the right thing. I don't want to overstep these boundaries and in and, and this position, take somebody's life because it's, it's a pretty heavy burden. Yeah. And when that happened, I was like, Oh my goodness. Because after Ferguson, everything, every cop shooting that comes out now, we go, were they black or white? You know, not was it a good shoot or bad shoot, which should be all that matters. Color should not play any relevance to it, but it does. So ever since Michael Brown, that's the question. Were they black or white? Well, I knew Brown was black because I'd seen her picture prior to this. And so I was like, my goodness, you know, this is, this isn't going to be good. I just kind of knew it. And. However, COVID, the, the nation shut down on March 13th also. That's when everything shut down. President was on every day. Our governor was on every day. So it kind of got pushed down. And I think that's what our mayor and our police chief counted on. Oh, okay. Well, if this is the big story, we can just, this will go away. Something else will come up. 
And then Ahmad Aubrey happened. And Ben Crump was hired on Ahmad Aubrey. Well, then, after that, one of the attorneys on Breonna Taylor's case for her mother knew Ben Crump. She had worked with him on a case. So she called him and said, hey, can you help us on this one? So he came into town. And then things had already been, there had already been lies or misconceptions. And part of that was the police department's fault because they didn't share any information with Breonna Taylor's family either. So I understand their frustration. I get it. Um, but then when, once he got on, it was a whole new animal, man. It was because he already had the national spotlight from Ahmaud yep. Aubrey. So then now Breonna Taylor's there. And so I could feel the tension in the city starting to creep up. You could feel it. And I started reaching out to people. I even reached out to our uh, city council president who used to be a police officer. He was my training officer in the academy. And I said, man, I texted him. I still got it on my phone. I was like, Here's all the lies they're saying, and I listed it as pages of text. And I said, here's what really happened. And I told exactly what I've, what I've told you guys. And I said, the mayor won't say it. What can we do? And he said, yeah, the mayor's refusing to say this stuff. I'll hold a press conference Monday and get it out. Never happened. For the, you know, when I hear the story about you coming to the door and you, and you knock between 45 seconds and a minute, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts in hindsight or if there's something else that could be done to avoid this kind of stuff. Probably the last two years, so I, I I ran our major case unit before I went to, I had just transitioned to the, the parcel interdiction unit because I think, I was thinking, man, I probably got four years left before I'm going to retire. I wanted to kind of bring, slow things down. I'd already, I already made entry in over 2,000 search warrants and doors. And I thought to myself, I thought, the luck's going to run out. You know, it's just, it's a numbers thing. It's an odds. Eventually I'm going to be in a critical incident. I don't want to be. So let's go ahead and start, let's start tapering this career off, slowing down because I've been going 100 miles an hour for probably 15 of my 20 years, uh, with search warrants and drugs and all that. And, uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to transition. And the last two years, I had constantly thought about two things that bothered me. Number one, eventually something's going to happen. But the main thing was as I matured as a person and as a dad and all that, once we would go through these doors, you would have three, four, five, six-year-old kids just terrified. You know, all of a sudden you've got eight, ten cops coming in with guns, screaming, putting people on the ground. And that started affecting me. That started making me go, man, this just ain't worth it. You know, I we're traumatizing these kids. I can understand why they grow up hating the police. You know, you start thinking of all these things, and I'm going – We've got to do something different. So we started pulling people off. We'd wait till they leave their house. They were at a gas station, barbershop, wherever. And we'd start grabbing them up because it, it lowered our risk and it lowered their risk and it lowered the trauma on these kids. So that was pretty big to me. So we had done that probably in 80% of the cases the last two years I was up there. This wasn't my call. We were helping out. So we did what they asked, we did what they asked us to do. Have we, if I could do it different, if none of the dynamics changed because people go, well, why did you have to do why did you have to go there at 1230 at night if she wasn't a threat, if she wasn't the main target? Mm. She was one of the targets, but she wasn't the main target. And I try to explain to people because word gets out so quick when you do a warrant. I mean, it's even before the Internet. We used to call it – I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. We used to call it the ghetto net because it was like – and it doesn't matter if it's black or white. It was just if you hit a door, everybody's everybody knew, man. Yeah. I mean, they just knew. Calls went out. And so – 
when you do these type things where, where evidence might be at different locations, you do them simultaneous so nothing is destroyed because that's what you take into court. Uh, Glover, <clears throat> Glover's car was registered to Brianna's house, his bank account. Uh, when he bonded out of jail, it was there. His cell phone was registered there. Everything was in her name or at her house that was Glover's. So they wanted that evidence to tie him in to that house because they had pictures of him coming there, getting packages, leaving. Uh, Brianna taking him down to the trap house, dropping stuff off. So that was the so important. Brianna, there was evidence that she was involved in this stuff. Yeah, after the fact, they pulled <clears throat> Glover's phone calls, and he's talking to his baby mama, and he said, uh, I need somebody to go to Brianna's house and see if the cops missed that money. And she was like, oh, you were letting her hold your money? Why was she holding your money? You know, she was mad. And he was like, well, she holds a lot of people's money. It's just what she does. So it was... Was she slinging the dope? I don't think so. I don't think physically she was taking selling dope. But she was part of the organization in a peripheral way, bonding them out of jail, letting them use her address for stuff, um, holding money. So she was tied into it. And people always go, I hate this phrase. Oh, you think you're judge, jury, and executioner? And I'm going, no, I was just trying to save my life. And yeah. This wasn't a payment for the crime. You know, this wasn't that, – that's not the intent here. Uh, so that that aggravates me when people say that. I worry that uh, people don't understand there may not be solutions to these things. So, you know, you, you you look, you've got someone who's selling illegal drugs, very dangerous ones. I mean, what was, what was suspected of uh, fentanyl? We believe fentanyl. We know um, uh, meth. Uh, but, yeah, fentanyl, he had the pills. So, you know, you can come out and make an argument about the legalization of drugs. But when you start getting into areas about fentanyl, you start getting harder questions. There are some libertarians who are outright like, no, 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 people can take whatever they want, whatever they want. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I get that. I get that. But the question is, even still, even then, there's still got to be some restrictions on how much or, or, or to children. I mean, you got to prevent these things. So ultimately what ends up happening is we've got a big, we've, we've got a big society. You've got people on the left, people on the right, libertarians, authoritarians, and everyone's got a different view, which means ultimately there's compromise. The compromise we have right now, whether people like it or not, is that if somebody is illegally selling very serious drugs, we're going to stop them. I think most people. The overwhelming majority of people are going to be like, yeah, I don't want someone selling fentanyl in my area because you don't know who he's selling to. And it's an extremely dangerous drug. Yeah. You, you, go to, you go to local people and say someone's selling you know, marijuana or something like that. And they're going to roll their eyes and be like, is, is this a priority right now? So the fentanyl matters. And if that's the case and there are parents who want their neighborhoods cleaned up and they don't want these drugs around, well, then someone's got to stop it. But that means you're going to have to have police going and serving warrants. And, and what people need to understand, like you said, simultaneously all at the same time. And relatively late for, for strategic reasons and also probably for safety reasons for you've got less people who are out and about, right. things like that. Then you have to contend with the fact that people are allowed to defend themselves in their homes. No one's going to take that away. At least some people are trying to. And this means that you get a perfect storm. A warrant is being served. Nobody answers. The door gets, 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 you know, kicked in. And then the guy shoots, whether it was, whether it was an accident or whether it was he didn't know you were cops or did. Regardless, the conflict starts. Someone loses their life. You, you, some people, you know, these activists especially think there's something that can be done or has to be done. And maybe I'm not saying we don't investigate and try and figure out ways to solve these problems, but man, some people got to realize that there may always be this uh, cause and effect that exists within, with, within this system, at least as we've defined it right now. If people have a right to keep and bear arms in their homes to defend themselves, and we expect police to shut down people selling drugs, very serious ones, you will get a situation like this. And people will, people will die, and there can be 
Uh, you know, I think you know, one of the officers he fired rounds that went to other other apartments or something like that. Yeah. So the walls were co-joined, the the yeah. kitchen walls, and that was one of the that was one of the mistakes in this thing. Not mm-hmm. him shooting because he thought we were getting executed at that doorway. You had metal and concrete and the rapid shots, and he thought, oh man, he knew I'd gone down. He thought, dude, they're getting killed at the door. I got to do something. Yeah. But the problem is we weren't provided a map of the layout of how that other apartment was butted up. Yeah. And from the outside looking at it, it doesn't look like it. It mm-hmm. looks like they're separate, you know, things. Right. So if you hadn't been in it or hadn't looked at the actual layout, so there were some mistakes made. Don't get me wrong. No, for sure, for sure. I, I what I mean to say is just in a bigger picture, I'm 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 reminded of this story out of Europe where I think it was in Denmark there was a mass shooter. And maybe it wasn't Denmark. It was a, a country up in in Europe. And uh, after the shooting happened, they mourned and they did nothing. And they said, well, sometimes people are crazy and they get guns. You know, what What are we supposed to do, right? This this, this was an it was an aberration. It wasn't uh, a fault of the system. It was a fault of sometimes people, you know, do bad things. And that's that, that's the challenge I see with this. I certainly think there's there's uh, ways to reform and there needs to be there. There needs to be, at least on a criminal justice system, very serious reforms. But my point is. If people are unwilling to confront the system in any meaningful way, and I'm not, I mean like the rioters are not confronting it in any me- meaningful way, the system doesn't change. In fact, the rioters are probably only making it worse because mm-hmm. now you're going to get more regular people saying more more weapons for the cops, just shut it all down. They're going to say get tougher, get more aggressive. Then you're going to get activists who are like, my friend was beaten by the cops. Well, it's because the community is demanding you know these 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 things that shut down. You get people calling the mayor's office. The mayor calls the you know goes gets the cops on the radio and says, I don't care what you do, just shut down the protests, shut down the riots. The cops say, okay, get it done. The people complain, and it's an endless cycle. Yep. The, the 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 issue I take with a lot of this is these people who live in these cities. They're the ones who are voting in these Democratic politicians who don't care about them, right? Demanding of them police action on crime, then when, when, when the action on crime results in some kind of um, accidents or a brutal event, it's these same people who are now complaining about that event out marching in the streets is one of the reasons I don't want to live in these cities anymore. Because it seems like these people don't have a logical process in their mind as to why these things are happening. They just say, I don't understand why there's got to be crime. And I also don't understand why, you know, cops are so mean. And I don't understand why people are getting beaten. And it's like, because people are shooting each other and because you want the shooting to stop. So the cops go out and the cops are scared of getting shot. And then some cops get shot and then cops shoot back. And then you complain that the cops shot back. I'm like, I don't know what, what well, you want, Well, just like man. the majority of our loudest mouth protesters. And I'm not talking about somebody really wanting change walking with the sign, doing it the right way. I'm talking about the guys that were jumping on cars taunting police um, constantly in people's face. I mean, if there was a cheerleading competition of little girls in downtown Louisville during this, it was near the, it was a little bit further in. So I think they thought it was safe enough, but it wasn't. And these guys were getting in these parents and these kids face and saying some or rape your kids. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then they want to say the police are the problem. And all these guys who are out here for reform and stuff that were doing this all have had huge criminal records. There's like three of them that have been killed since the riot started that were the major drivers behind this stuff. Two of them shot in the head and no, all three of them were shot in the head. One was in a carjacking, so that may have been uh, accidental, but the other two were targeted hits. And the funny thing is the the rumor in the city was all the, the people who disagreed with the police were going, oh, the police are out here killing all the protesters. And we're going, are you kidding me? Because they caught somebody on all of them, you know. Well, there was uh, in in Ferguson, the lifestyle, 
I mean, and in Ferguson, I believe it was uh, they found a vehicle with a, with someone killed in the front seat. I think that's what it was. It's been it's been a minute. I don't know if you you've heard that story or whatever. It wasn't the cops who did it, although the activists are pushing that. There's a conspiracy theory out of Fer- a conspiracy theory out of Ferguson that the police are going around and executing the people who organized the protest. That's what they're saying in Louisville. That's crazy, man. It's like a, a couple of weeks, probably a month ago now. There was a police chase. A guy had shot somebody, robbed him, shot him. They're chasing him. Um, he wrecked out. He eats his gun. Boom, kills himself. So they've got their body cameras on and car cameras. But ever since our case, before Breonna Taylor, when our city investigated the thing, they they would release body cam footage within 24 hours. And but in our case, they said since there was no body cam, they were like, "Well, we can't talk about the case." And I said, well, what's the difference in releasing body cam that shows everything or disputing the lies? Well, they didn't have an answer for it, naturally. But because since then, the state police took over investigating because they were like the protesters. That was one of their demands. We don't want LMPD investigating. Fine. Well, let's state police do it. So now the state police investigate. Their policy is we don't release body cam footage till we're ready, till we've investigated enough. Screw you. We're going to do whatever we want. And now... They're saying, and they were, they had three days of protests saying, oh, it's a cover up. The police went up and shot him in the head. He didn't shoot himself. Yep. So it's just, it doesn't matter what you do. It's right. going to be, they're like, like we said earlier, there's that fringe on both sides that are just crazy on the right and the left that no matter what you do, it, it's not going to be right. I always try to uh, clarify in that, that it's true, but it seems to be the, uh, the exception for the right and the rule for the left. Yeah. The, the, the conservative media apparatus, tends to get stories correct. The liberal establishment media apparatus tends to get stories wrong. And it's probably because these are big corporate outlets that are driven by profit, whereas conservative outlets tend to be driven by passion ideology or, uh, ide- or ideology. That is not, that is, I, I am not saying that one side is right or wrong, you know, because a lot of people hear that. It's, this is fascinating. And they're like, you're saying the right is good. And I'm like, conservative news outlets are, you know, small budget, passion projects where people are like, I believe in this. I want to push this story out. So they tend to be trying to follow the facts, but with the conservative perspective, with conservative commentary and opinion, the establishment's just like, put whatever gets us the clicks, man. Yeah. Well, truth be told, there's a lot of ideology behind it as well with trying to get Democrats elected. But let me, let me talk to you about uh, uh, the issue I've had with the cops. Uh, you know, my concerns and, and, and discontent is, you know, COVID. After uh, the George Floyd riots, you know, I was very much like, if there's one thing I think any any person can agree on that police should be doing is stopping rioting, stopping direct crime against individuals, violent crime and things like that. You want to argue about drugs being legal, all the libertarian stuff. It's like, okay, okay, we'll have the debate about that. But we all, we all agree, like if people are running around burning down buildings, we would appreciate a police force to be like, yeah. hey, stop doing that. The problem is, and there's reasons behind this, but for one, we saw in New York, cops were standing down. We saw in many of these circumstances, cops standing down. We know why, as you were mentioning, it's too dangerous and they have no support from the community. So I'm not going to, you know, go and, and cheer on the people who live in New York City for voting for and supporting the problems they're causing themselves. But when I saw the police, even local sheriffs going to cafe owners and salon owners and arresting them or fining them or shutting down their businesses over COVID, I was like, nah, you lost me. You know, I can come out all day and say that uh, the regular working class cop, you know, is, is not a racist, that, that those are media lies and narratives. These stories are, are few and far between. They're rare circumstances. But man, the stuff we saw around police shutting down people's livelihood, uh, lively, this was everywhere. You had Attila's gym, 
Cops showed up, shut them down, even arrested. I think one guy got arrested. The government issued all these fines and the police are the ones backing it up. In North Jersey, you had a woman whose store was closed and she was live streaming her products. Cops showed up and shut her down. You had a sheriff's department in Minnesota chase a woman or, or uh, appre- it, was, it was an Iowa department, I believe, apprehend a woman because she had opened her coffee house during lockdown. And with a smile on their face, they, 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 they grabbed these people. With, and that, that blows my mind. How, how, how is that? And, and, you know, explain to me that mindset that you could be a cop and be like, how dare this lady do someone's hair? I'm going to arrest her. That to me is insane. It is insane. I think, man, it's, it's tough because I don't, I don't want to bash the cops, but you can look on my Twitter feed from months ago when this was happening. And I said the same thing. I said, guys, you're being played. They are using you as their henchmen. And you're being played. You've got to do the right thing. Everybody stand down. And But I also think there's got to be some responsibility on the other side, too. For the people that want to make a point, like when you go into a restaurant that's private and they go, hey, I've got to, I've got to abide by this or the police will come in and find me if I don't. And they're like, screw that. I want my food. But I can't because you're not, you're not abiding by this. Even though it's an unlawful mandate, I agree with that. But neither should have fear of serving or getting food. But because of our government, they're enforcing these mandates that are unconstitutional. And then both of them are this, – this owner is in fear of losing his livelihood. This guy's trying to prove a point that I don't have to follow these illegal mandates. And then the cop comes in, you know, and he probably agrees with both of them, honestly, and is like, man, these are stupid, but what am I supposed to do here? If I don't do this, my body cams on. Now I'm going to lose my job and my livelihood. And he should. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to take a stand, if you're going to sacrifice, you've got to do it. I mean, but they can't, if they all stood up and said, no, they couldn't fire them all. Right. I don't, I'm I'm not saying the cop should be fired. Uh, technically I'm saying the cop should, uh, gladly recognize the system is broken. You've become the villain. If you know, and people say to me, you don't understand you, you, you need your job. You got to pay your bills. And I, my, my response is like, I totally get it. You know, people don't seem to understand because they're like, oh, look how successful you are, Tim. Uh, it's easy for you to say. And I'm like, it, it, I've always said it. Even when I was broke, it's what leads me to the, the point of success. And I'm unwilling to, to compromise with the, with, with this kind of, you know, amoral behavior or, or illegality. At the very least, I could recognize the cop starting, you know, these officers and many have planning their exodus from these departments for other areas. Look at what Florida said. Florida, we, we had billboards out, uh, not out here. Where were they? Uh, I think there was one out here, actually. Billboards in like the D.C. area saying, become a police officer in Florida, now hiring benefits. Yeah, Florida, where we have your back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and they said, we got no mandates. You don't got to do this stuff. Don't have to do it. I think people need to realize you're not trapped in this one job. But what I wish, my point being, I agree with the no mandates. I was a push the limit on not wearing a mask. I'm not vaxxed. I'm not anti-vaccine. <laughs> I'm not anti-vaccine. My well, kids, they'll lie and say you are, you know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anything that you disagree with, you get hammered. But uh, So I'm not vaxxed. I hardly ever wore a mask unless I'm flying just because i got to get somewhere. And maybe that's hypocritical of me too. But <clears throat> the point is go make your statement. Go in there. Have the police called on you. But when they come there, instead of giving the cop a hard time to go, you've made your point. Right. If you want to pick it outside, do it. But, I agree with that, but, actually. But they really don't want that hamburger. They want to make a point. And I get it. 
but do it where you're not harming the other people that kind of agree with you. You know, we we have a we have a lesson in in skateboarding when we were little. It's uh when younger. If when, when you're skateboarding in the streets, meaning you're going up corporate buildings or you're at loading docks behind you know warehouses, you can skate, and as soon as you see a security guard, you leave. Yeah. When the security guard walks up and says, "Hey, you can't skate," you go, "Sorry about that," and you leave. And then when he leaves, you come back. You come right back. Yeah. Who well, didn't? I, I would I would not advocate for immediately coming back. If you're told you're trespassing, you're trespassing. You shouldn't trespass. But the point is that if you leave right away, you don't blow up the spot, as we would call it, meaning other people have heard about it. They might end up showing up. We've had kids. You know, I remember this, man. They smashed a window because security guard told them to leave. And I'm like, they just ruin everything for everybody. So now you'll never be able to come back here because they'll set up something where you can't. So, you know, I think about this and I'm like, imagine going into a restaurant and they say, you can't be in here. There's a mandate. And they say, I'm not leaving because you're discriminating against me. And they say, well, I'm going to call the police. They say, okay, call the police. In every circumstance, the cops have showed up and said, you've been informed that you're trespassing. You're being warned to leave. At that point, you can be like, okay, walk out the front door, wait for the cops to go, walk back in and say, I want a cheeseburger. And that causes a bigger problem than having some cop arrest you and then inconveniencing yourself. And if you look at the bigger picture, here's what this has done now. This has taken – we've already had a divided country, right? In 2020, we were pretty – you had this group and this group that believed two different things, cops bad, cops good. Now what they've done is they've subdivided the good cop part because – they're using them to enforce laws on people that supported the cops, but now the cops have to stand up to those people, and now they're mad at the cops. So now the left wins again because they've broken <laughs> us even more, and yeah, we're weaker. In in New York, they had 27 police officers defending what was an illegal painting in the street. Bill de Blasio seized taxpayer funds illegally to paint Black Lives Matter in front of Trump's building, and 27 cops with smiles on their faces guarded that illegal act. I wouldn't admit able to do it. Now, now look, I, I, I understand these are, these are cops who live in New York City, so they're probably Democrats. And then you, but, but surprising to me, it's like, how could you live in a city where the people who vote for the politicians who appoint the, 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 the commissioner or the, the chief of police and then hire these, these other cops, you're the villain in this whole story to everyone. Right. The cops defending the Black Lives Matter mural are villains to the left already. And for defending the illegal actions of the mayor, they're villains to the right. Yep. I, I, you gotta be, I, it takes a special kind of resolve to decide that you want to be hated by everybody. And but but truth be told, it's not always the wrong choice. Sometimes being hated by everybody is the right thing to do. In this instance, I don't think so. The challenge, I guess, is you know people people. It's it's hard to just quit your job when you got a mortgage, when you got kids, and that's the 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 that's the noose, man. Well, they get you. It's it's no different than what we what I was talking about a few minutes ago with all the government subsidies. They get you trapped and you can't do anything, you know, unless you take a leap of faith or you get a good opportunity. I mean, they get you trapped there, too. This is, this is it's it's sad and it's scary because it's just like it's slavery. <laughs> Democrats are pushing uh, policies that put more people in positions where they can't leave their jobs and are and are desperate. And that's what it is. That's the boot on your neck. Yeah. So when you got what was it? Joe Biden was talking about this policy for urbanizing the suburbs. Huh. I don't know if you saw this one. The idea was to build more trains going into the suburbs to to do ban single single housing development things like that. Oh yes, that would create more desperation and destitution, which they then can manipulate by saying you can't quit your job. You could only afford to live in this extremely high cost of living area on, on, with loans. Right. And then if you lose your job, you can't pay off your loans. And then we're going to come for your kids. And people say, okay, okay, you got me. I'll enforce whatever you say. And there it is. 
If everyone just said no, these problems would be solved instantly. What if I just took my mortgage out as a student loan? Will the government forgive it? Well, they're not doing that. That's what's funny. All the all the progressives were like, yeah, Biden for, forgive student loans. And he was like, nah. Yeah, I, I need to take those billions and send them into the Middle East. Well, to be fair, you can you can file bankruptcy uh, and get a lot of your debt you know, wiped, but uh, not for student loans. Yeah. So if you get student loans, I'm not a fan of the student loan system. I think I worked three jobs in college, so I don't feel sorry for them. But I do, th- I do think personally we can we can do something about the interest rates. Oh yeah, yeah, I would agree on the interest. I think or, that's why everybody agrees. Or how, how come colleges can increase their percentage of tuition every year so much? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it just keeps climbing because they want it's you to extortion. be an indentured servant. Because when you got student loans, you can't quit your job. Yeah. You can't file bankruptcy on student loans. They got you locked up, and you don't even realize they got you locked up. But a lot of young people are starting to realize it. Now, here's what else happens. They use that to once again manipulate those they've already locked into indentured servitude with ridiculous, we'll forgive your student loans, vote for us. And then what happens? Biden's like, nope. Just kidding. Just Bait kidding. switch. Yeah. It would be nice if Donald Trump said, we're going to deal. He did suspend uh, loans, I believe, on, mm-hmm. during covid I think I think Donald Trump, if he gets elected, I think there should be some kind of executive action because these are these are federal loans. I think they, they have the authority to do this. I'm not sure. Just say interest rates shut down. Right. Again, pay back what you what you borrowed. Yeah, it's kind of like the thing earlier with the you know getting people back on their feet. Right. They don't have to get interest on them. Just get your money back. You borrowed it. You used the money. You got to pay it back because a lot of those but, loans weren't just for school. They got that that cost of living stuff too, exactly. where they, they could buy food, pay for their apartments, whatever else. I, you got to pay it all back. Yeah. If they gave you fifty grand, I think you got to pay it back, and we should discuss how that inflation works into that. However, you know, I know people who uh, have taken out like twenty thousand in loans, and now they own forty, and they've already paid back forty. And it's just like, insane. Yeah. yeah, these stories are insane. Right. So I, I think you got to a lot of the. I, I think the populist right understands all of this. I think conservative Inc. often doesn't, you know, the more like establishment, not so much establishment, but a lot of these uh, conservatives say like, yeah, hey, those are your responsibility. You, you took out the loans, you signed the contract. And I'm like, that's true. I agree with that. I don't agree with making someone pay back 40 grand on a $17,000 yeah, loan. That's insane. Yeah. Now we're getting to the point where the point of school loans and the reason you can't be declaring bankruptcy, in my opinion, or what I thought was that. We're going to help kickstart your life to get you a good skill set, good career. Crippling them so they can't have families and buy houses yeah, is just the, bad for everybody. The government turned into the mafia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll never get me paid off. Yeah, well, and of course, these uh, these loans are subsidized by the government. The entire idea is they're going to guarantee the student loans, and that's only resulted in colleges raising tuition costs. And now you have instances where someone will borrow 20000 they'll end up paying back 40000 You just have to ask the question, is it really a productive use of economic resources to have entire groups of people whose career is to live off of the interest of loans that were lent out prior that have already been more than paid back. Is that I, I, really the best use of uh, human willpower and thought and labor for someone to just be in a position where they're living off of interest? Think about I it. I don't think so. We, we, we're wondering why it is that a police officer is going to arrest someone who owns a salon, mm-hmm. and that's why. And if you are an authoritarian in government, mm-hmm. the last thing you want is for police officers especially to say, men of good conscience do not follow unjust orders. Mm-hmm. But when they say, we'll take your kids, we'll take your house, yeah. and you'll be on the street, then you'll see how, how quickly people are willing to bend over backwards. Yeah. It, well, it, and also, 
I mean, it, it makes sense again, given the way inflation works, to charge some level of interest on a loan. But you know, once it's once you're paying back significantly, significantly more than you took out, I think it's it's pretty criminal. And also, uh, you know, when you look at real estate, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are in debt because they're paying off a mortgage, mortgage, but they're building equity. You look at these people who have way overpaid for these degrees that are really useless. And for someone's, you know, for, for these banks to get, to be getting rich off of this government policy is just a redistribution of wealth from taxpayers and from these young people who took loans out to the big banks. I don't, I, I just don't see how conservatives could consider that to be acceptable. It's big government intervening on behalf of business and on behalf of the banks to protect their profits or give them more. What's the problem? Big government. Their hands in way too much. Mm-hmm. I we, think we need a very small federal government. And it, it's, yeah, they, they, they're trying to control everything. But, but I do think there's something, the, the tides have turned. I do think that freedom, honesty, and integrity, I think that's winning. A lot of these, these moral values are probably, they're probably viewed as conservative because I don't know if you've ever looked at Jonathan Haidt's moral foundations mm-hmm. research. No. There's six moral foundations. The left, has two care and fairness so they don't have uh, uh, authority they don't have loyalty they don't have purity and they don't have liberty those are the other i believe those are the other ones i could yeah. be making mistake, but i'm pretty sure that's it conservative ha- conservatives have all of them all six in, in in fairly equal amounts my favorite point here is that libertarians have one just liberty liberty they, like seriously libertarians like uh, uh when they, they they initially had five moral foundations then realized something was missing because some some people had nothing and they're like, what is this? And it was like, oh, because they only care about people being allowed to do their own thing and be left alone. And libertarians, you know, they, they, there was a, uh, who was it? Someone got booed for saying that, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to sell drugs Austin to kids. Austin Peterson. Right, yeah. that they yes, booed him. That was Austin Peterson. <laughs> like, okay. Dude, like, and, <laughs> uh, to be fair, I think they were rejecting his framing, but still a very no, funny moment. No, but Gary moment. Johnson tweeted, like the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire said, like, oh, no, bring I'm back sorry. child labor. Maybe it was Gary Johnson who was booed. I don't, maybe it no, wasn't no, no. Austin Peterson. Uh, uh, I need to double check. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire said, you know, legalize child labor. Yeah. And Gary Johnson was like, no, no, no. like this is not what we need. <laughs> and, and then it's like, people are, are, are. Well, you see the slippery slope, cause now with the, you know, trying to teach these kindergartners about transsexuals and sex period. That it's, it's, it, where, where does it stop? Where what? do you draw the line and go, okay, this is it. No more. Well, that's a whole other conversation, right? Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, the point I'm bringing up with the moral foundations is that a lot of the things that, uh, we, we want to be winning are more tip are typical of conservatives like, uh, like loyalty, uh, um, and purity is another more foundation. Purity meaning like you don't want children being abused or exposed. But this is not a moral foundation that exists among the left for the most part. So it's typically conservative. But my point was, uh, I think these moral foundations are starting to win. And I think it has a lot to do with the internet, with uh, podcasts, the ability of people to, to form communities online. But what needs to happen more of, which is happening, is people standing up, speaking up, and just standing firm and saying, you know, I'm not going to do something that is that is a violation of these foundations. Because I, what I will tell you is, if the moral foundations, the six that are winning, uh, indicate that conservatives tend to be winning, uh, and, and conservative isn't necessarily the right answer because libertarian, post-liberal, right. conservative, but it just means that ideas like loyalty are winning. That's not, with, with that not being on the left, you can understand why they're, why the left is angry about it. And why the left would force or convince a conservative or libertarian to abandon a moral foundation for personal gain. So if you're a conservative and you have all of the moral foundations 
and loyalty is something that's important to you. And then you see something that is an egregious violation of, say, uh, loyalty to the country. Um, that doesn't mean blind loyalty. It means like we're going to stand by and support, you know, our, our troops. We're going to stand by and support our law enforcement who are genuinely trying. Again, not blindly, right. legitimately. The left would say, no, don't do that. Don't be loyal to your community. When, when, when we say with the boot on your neck, you're not allowed to sell coffee. We want you to abandon your moral foundations and do what we want because we have none. And because of the way they've put the boot down, you've got cops who are like, yes, sir, whatever you say. And that's horrifying. But if people just assert themselves, well, so, so I'll, I'll I, without repeating myself, the point is, I think the moral foundations typically associated with the right are winning. And that means given a long enough period of time, things are going to gen- genuinely improve. Unless nukes, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Or, so, Or, you know, I mean, you got to go back to the school thing. If if the indoctrination doesn't change in the schools, and not just sexual stuff, but I'm talking about just overall the thinking. There's no critical thinking being taught. Yeah, everything's just Everything's just regurgitation. It's Here's what to believe. You're going to do it. Okay, that's what we believe. We want critical thinking. They want critical feelings. They want you to do – how do you feel? How do you feel about something? Yeah. And it's like it's, – it's, it's, it's like an archaic way of living. You know, we, 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 logic, reason, understanding, compassion, these things came together to help make humanity strive and strength stronger and successful. And now they're like, no, 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 do away with the things that helped us, you know, and just go back to just how things feel. That's why I don't, when I interviewed with Strahan, we got into a big argument over it because he was like, yeah, well, I just feel this. Black people just feel this. And I went, well, Michael, you know, your feelings are important, but just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Right. You know, I, I feel a lot of things that aren't true. Yeah. My kids, they feel like I'm being mean to them when I make them go to bed or get off the computer. Or it doesn't but, mean it's true. But it, you're doing it because you love them yeah. and you want to. Or my, I won't let my dog them. out of the yard so it doesn't get hit by a car. He thinks I'm being mean to it. Yeah. You know, uh, our cat, Bocus, <laughs> he yells at me because we won't let him outside, but it's 20 degrees out. He can't go outside. Yeah. Normally we let him go out and do whatever he wants. And he's complaining. And I'm like, bro, you're I'm a cat. protecting you. Yes. But they don't get it. All yeah. right. Let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. We're going to have a members-only version of the podcast going up around 11 p.m. tonight over at TimCast.com. So make sure you sign up to support our work. And uh, get in your questions now for uh, 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 Sergeant John Mattingly. Do I, do, do I still call you Sergeant? Just John. Just John? Just John. For John. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certain that we didn't get to a lot of your thoughts and questions about what happened with Granite Taylor. So seriously, we're going to go through some of the Super That's Chats. why they got to buy the book. Buy the book. <laughs> yeah. There's and, some but, awesome stuff in there that nobody knows about. But people, it's an opportunity to ask questions yep. about uh, what you what, what you think, uh, and anything you're you're, you're uh, uh, you have any questions about uh, questions about what happened that night. We can we can we can get these answered. So let's read some super chats. All right, let's see. I can't read the name of the first super chat because that's how YouTube is. They say I got to push back when you say rich people can't give away money. I believe this is a translation problem. It's okay, but I believe you said art auction wrong. Never forget wall banana. Oh yeah, that's true. There are there are ways to sort of give away money, but what I meant was literally give away money. Uh, obviously, you can try and bypass and, and seek out loopholes. What I mean is, you would think that a human being could walk up to another person and be like, "I just wanted to give you money, you know, and make your life better." You can't do that. Up to fifteen thousand dollars, you can. For the average American, that's substantial enough to where you can give money away. But what I mean is if you're rich and you're like, I would like to buy someone a car. 
Can't do it. Oprah bought all, gave all those people cars, remember? And they had to pay taxes on them. Most of them had to sell them. Yeah, and they sold them to, to pay to the pay. taxes. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you, it just, you can't just do it. I think, uh, you know, we were talking to Jeremy Boring of, uh, uh, Daily Wire co-CEO. And, uh, we were talking about how, you know, when, when you first come into money, you, you all of a sudden see this maze of what the government has set up as to how you can, how you can operate, what you can or can't do. When you start a company, people really don't get it. They're like, why don't you hire me to do this? And I'm like, that would be illegal. And they're like, what do you, like, you can't hire me to be a consultant? I'm like, no. Imagine telling the IRS, yeah, yeah, we hired a guy who doesn't do anything. We just pay him a lot of money. They're going to be like, great. You're huh. trying to bypass laws and taxes. So we're going to come after you and fine you. People don't get it. Like every employee has to have a quantifiable job with a title, with a market rate salary slightly above or below. Otherwise you get investigated or fined and all of that stuff has to be followed to the T. I wish it was as simple as to just be like, you can do whatever you want, but mm-mm, we got enough regulations, man. Yeah, we do. All right. Let's see. What we got a book of cloud says, well, chicken city is here. <laughs> what does that mean? We got chicken city. I don't know. Go to youtube.com slash chicken city and subscribe if you haven't already. Cause it's uh soothing nature sounds of roosters screaming and <laughs> birds and woodpeckers and all of that stuff. Cats love it. All right. The there's general, a huge rooster out there. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big, he's a big boy. Big, yeah, he yeah, he's a big boy. Runs with some bad king, dudes. He's king of the hill. That's right. <laughs> he's his son's out there, and it's really funny because uh, with chickens, you know, the rooster bangs all the chickens. Then they have eggs, and then when the eggs hatch, boys come out, and the rooster's all of a sudden like, ah, what do I like, do? You know, it's I'm like replacing they, myself. Yeah, exactly, and he gets mad, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, now you know, it only takes six months for his son to be challenging him for, you know, the ladies. And it's like, well, you're the one who's making them. You know what I mean? They do, uh, they, they do castrate, uh, roosters. It's, it's called something else. Really? Yeah. They cut through the back and like disable. And then they, they like they're chicken eunuchs, I guess. Man, I'm glad I'm not a rooster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's if you, that's if you have boys and you want to grow and eat them. So they castrate them so that you can, otherwise roosters apparently are like hard to eat. You can eat them. You can basically eat a lot of things, but you know. All right. Let's see what we got. As, Doglog says, will you be making a YouTube channel for your on-the-ground reporting? How about live reporting now that Starlink is coming? A Timcast news van. Yeah. We've certainly got some ideas, but I don't think we need a YouTube channel, to be honest. You'd probably just put it on the website. I don't know if... I, I think YouTube has... Uh, I think YouTube destroyed itself a long time ago. See, they, they gave everything to CNN. They gave everything to all these big, uh, these big networks. But now these big networks are pulling off and starting their own streaming platforms, Fox Nation, CNN Plus. So YouTube has shown disloyalty to those who are who are using their platform. If I'm going to launch something new, it ain't going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Rumble or it's going to be on the website. And I'm talking about like substantive stuff. Obviously, we will still put our stuff on YouTube, like Inverted World will go up there, Pop Culture Crisis. Yeah, but do you think, but you we're think not treating Rumble it will ever get up to the to be able to pay you like YouTube does? See, well, that's, that's the problem with a lot of people. It's kind of like the, the thing we were talking about earlier with cops. You know, people think, well, YouTube's censoring these people, and I'm ticked off at YouTube, but I can't leave because that's my financial source. So YouTube uh, pays well, but I will I will say the real benefit from YouTube is marketing, and that's it. But they're not doing that anymore. Mm. So obviously we make money on YouTube. We make most of our – most of our business is is supported through memberships. So – if we got banned from YouTube tonight, we would be completely fine, able to keep operating. It would be pretty bad. You know, Crowder got booted out of the partner program, but he was like, we're good. We're going to keep doing our thing like normal. And then eventually he got let back in. So 
But uh, YouTube has 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 really hurt itself. Now that all of these companies are launching their own platforms, they're taking their content off of YouTube and they're putting it on their own shows. YouTube's going to be left holding an empty bag because YouTube and, and YouTube will have no choice but to try and do YouTube originals, which failed because it just doesn't work. YouTube is not a streaming service the way they want it to be. So the more they 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 spit in our faces, the the I got to be honest. You've got a bunch of political commentators. You've got a bunch of big YouTubers and YouTube should be doing everything to kiss their asses because CNN plus launched today. And that means their authoritative news source there. I guarantee you the president of CNN or whatever is probably like, how do we get our video, our views off of YouTube and onto our, our platform? We have similar discussions. How do we get people to watch more on TimCast.com and head over to TimCast.com? Well, this show is live on YouTube. Then it gets uploaded and we use YouTube's infrastructure because it actually does save us a lot of money. For CNN, who's already backed and worth, you know, hundreds of millions or whatever dollars and has all this access, they don't need YouTube's infrastructure and they're going to pull out and then YouTube's going to be sitting there saying, who's our news source? People are going to go there and search CNN. It ain't going to come up or something will, but it'll be, hey, go to CNN.com for more information. And then they have these shows, which are long form and they're, and they're treating us like trash. So. We'll see how things how things go. Ben Dover says, will of the people. I'm an expert in empathy. I'm Irish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. There you go. That's right. If you haven't already, uh, search will of the people, Timcast, and listen to the music video. You know, we, we put this out in November 2nd of uh, 2020. It's becoming particularly relevant now because of the, the whole Muse thing. And we do have a couple songs that are entering the animation phase. They've already been storyboarded. And uh, the, the next songs in our series that follow this universe about a, a country in tumult and the and the themes and ideas around uh, civil war, revolution, and international conflict and crisis. So uh, those become not soon, but you can check that out. All right, let's read some more. Joe Burns says, "Hey Tim and friends, look up the episode of Doctor Who known as The Long Game. It features chilling story on info manipulation and fake news. Ooh, that sounds fun. I will check that out." Vosh says, "We all survived World War Z." Yeah, the Z symbol for the Russians. Maybe this will uh, finally be over. Joseph says, you wrote Will of the People, Tim. You must understand to some degree no one has the answer key to this existence. We move the world through our choices. I believe in what you're what you're doing. Oh. Uh, heart, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think one of the ideas of Will of the People, for those that have seen it and the themes around it, isn't that everyone thinks they're right. It's kind of like what I was saying, that sometimes there are no solutions. That maybe, maybe it is just the nature of humanity to go through cycles. People want to believe in this utopian vision where we finally reach the top of the mountain, sit down and say, we've done it. Everything's perfect. And I just don't think that exists. It's called heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For the time being on this planet, there's cycles, there's changes, there's ebbs, there's flows, there's yin, there's yang, whatever you want to call it. There's uh, equal and opposite reactions, which means you're never going to be able to sit down and just be like, my job is done. Look at fashion. It just right. keeps, it's just keeps coming back cyclical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what's fascinating now, too, is when people talk about uh, communism, they're like, oh, these communists in the government. And I'm like, there's something else. Communists were 100 years ago. They had, they had a specific ideology relevant to their time. We're looking at something else. Call it techno-communism. I don't know. Techno-corporo-corporo-communism. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it needs a new word. Yeah. You know, we can't just look back and be like, hey, they're similar, so we're going to use the same name. Uh, you know. Times change, man. Some some new authoritarian ideology is emerging on the turn of the century, and uh, it's going to clash with some other authoritarian ideology. So there you go. All right. Droid Control Ship says, hey, Tim, I've been watching your coverage for a short while. 
Can you spell that quote you keep saying? Biden said, Shana Bada Shaba pressure. It's true in a Shaba to pressure. True in a Shaba to pressure. True in a Shaba to pressure. Common spelling. Yeah. True in a Nanana. I think, I think it's in a Nanana. Cause I was saying true and I was, before I was saying true and Nana, I think there's an extra in in there. True in in Nana. In the Nana. True Nana Shaba to pressure. And bad calf care. Bad calf care. Watch them add that to the dictionary. Like Biden didn't gaff. Those are real words. <laughs> we, hey, hey, true. True, Madame. We'll make it a real word. Is an actual word. Yeah. Joe Biden's just much smarter a, than his vocabulary. It's a Scranton word. Yeah. It's a Scranton word. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, imagine playing Scrabble with Joe Biden. That's oh, got to be a cartoon. <laughs> Mark says, Tim, you don't believe Vlad won't level a, a city intentionally? Please don't insult the millions of Assyrians like that. Wait, 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 wait. You said I don't believe Vlad won't. I I I do believe Vladimir Putin would. I think he's misunderstanding what you were saying when when we were talking about this, going after the citizens earlier. No, he won't just go after citizens. But if it's in that act of war, that, that's so what I was trying it. to clarify. Yeah. Right. Like I don't think Putin is a comic book villain who's sitting there and go and, and he goes, you know what? Let's waste munitions blowing up regular people for no reason. No, I think he's like blow up that shopping mall because they're staging military weapons there. But sir, that'll kill civilians. Yeah, well, this is an military operation and this is what war is. Yep. So collateral I sir- damage. Right. So I'll clarify. Like, yeah, civilians are being killed in the collateral damage. I don't think he's throwing his mustache saying we must kill as many civilians as possible. <laughs> I don't think he he puts a lot of thought in. I mean, truth be told, I do think. Putin's probably trying to avoid because anyone who's engaging in information warfare and manipulation knows minimizing civilian casualties is important. But uh, this idea that everyone's a comic book villain, look, even the most uh, uh, typically the most self-interested, egotistical person isn't going to be like, I'm going to kill a bunch of people. You do have crazy people. Crazy people can, can gain control of governments and maybe Putin's one of them. But, you know, I think some, the, the simple solution is no one is just generally trying to kill civilians. So can, right. can, can you read uh, Random Eskimos? Funny. Yeah, Random Eskimos says, Seamus, take it from a Utah Mormon. Any and all reasons to laugh at Mitt Romney is not only valid but necessary. Yeah. And I just want to say I completely agree. I, I completely agree. I thought it was a good reason to laugh at him back then. I just think it's still a good reason to laugh at our media now to say oh, that yeah. Russia's our number one existential threat. Fluffer Boy 2004 says, Will Smith gets mad when other men make jokes about his wife, but not when they sleep with her. That's yeah, correct. Unfortunately. That whole thing was staged. Yikes. I think it was. So someone actually did this really great analysis where they got high resolution video and slowed it down. And it's really interesting because uh, uh, Chris Rock doesn't defend himself. Leans into it. But no, no, he leans with the he he swings with the the hand like like fight choreography. Mm-hmm. So maybe so he, look, <clears throat> I've walked up to a bunch of people, and then I've been like, "What would you do if someone was about to hit you?" And I'll raise my hand, and what does everyone do? They go like this. Yeah, your hands instinctively go up. Chris Rock had his hands behind his back the whole time, and he had his, and he was leaning forward. Will Smith did a, a, a look at his hand when he's when he's cranking. It's a very weak slap. Yeah, he had that Ali training. He knows how to hit. Yeah, that's right. Will Smith has been trained. Do you ever see him be on, on a set with guns and stuff? Yeah. The dude has, 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 so this weak slap where Chris Rock goes with the hit. And he hit down here. Yeah. If you're going to smack somebody, you try to hit that ear. Right. Cause that just, that'd put your lights out. Yeah, I think it was fake. Plus Will Smith laughing at the he's joke. Grinning. As he, plus he's grinning as he walked away. Right. He's trying not to smile. Like, mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was staged. Because uh, now what's happening is uh, Chris Rock's ticket sales have gone up tenfold. Oh. 
Yeah, so more than two days than you had in a month. Yep. Plus the price, like she said, went way up. Yep. Yep, and people are like, "Why would they stage this?" And it's like, "Cause they're the Oscars were sinking. So yeah. Nope. Now everybody's talked about that for two days. I know. Three here days. we are, people talking yeah. about it. Curtis Fletcher says, "Anyone else here that India and China are dropping the petrodollar?" Uh, I don't know about that just yet. There's probably conversations, but I would tell you if uh, if that was the news, we'd lead with it, and we would all be like, you'd, you'd see a wall of emergency food behind me the moment these countries drop the petrodollar, which may be coming. Yeah. No joke, because that's when it's like ten dollars for a gallon of milk, twenty bucks a gallon, all that crazy stuff. Yeah, no matter how much money you got, it's not worth much. I think people don't realize that if these countries drop the petrodollar, you want to talk about expensive gas. Oh boy! Whoa, man! It's going to be really bad. Yeah, I think this country would be ripped ripped apart. I, you know, if jo- if 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 the petrodollar is dropped, whoever is president will be blamed, and it's going to get brutal. Mm-hmm. You're going to see you're going to see forty eight year old like. You know, women out in the streets, some from the suburbs, throwing garbage cans because mm-hmm. it's going to be bad. You can't do, feed their kids. Yeah, I mean, feed, yep. you think the summer of 2020 was bad. And granted, you know, the media doesn't. But if you're a reasonable person who saw the summer of 2020 and said, I don't like that. I don't want more of that. Oh, my goodness. If the petrodollar gets dropped, oh, that's not going to look like it was anything. I mean, that, that's going to look like a small skirmish. And I have talked to several media members mm-hmm. who got up. And did what these cops did with the mandates, and they read their teleprompter, mm-hmm. and they totally disagree with it. But to keep their job, they read the teleprompter. I All mean, right, it's the same crap. We got this from S. Thiemann. He says, "30-year Louisville KY resident, LMPD have a tough job, and a spineless Mayor Fisher. Thank you, Officer Mattingly, for your service. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. What do we got? Admar says, Tim, you don't see the big picture about the war." It's big map manipulating the map market. Rand McNally is funding weapons to Russia. Look it up on Wikipedia after I tweet it for their citation. So they're like, we need to issue new maps. So Russia needs to get even the tiniest piece of Ukraine. Everybody's got to buy. Do you remember when when Kamala said Russia's a big country, Ukraine's a small country? I mean, that proves it. She was holding her Rand McNally map. (laughs) That's right. Daniel Muek says, Bok. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, um, I also want to let you guys know that uh, if you go to Chicken City on YouTube and give five dollars, treats come down. We have a little automatic oh. treat dispenser. Chickens are sleeping, so I don't I don't know if it works at night. But we are getting ready to launch Chicken Party. We've already made the song, the Chicken Party song. You it's may have great. heard it. I've heard it. <laughs> uh, and the idea is we're going to create a, a a meter that once it fills all the way up, it reaches a hundred dollars. It triggers the Chicken Party, and then we're going to have disco lights Music. and it plays a dance song. Yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. Now, have you have you tried it? Does it work the chickens up at all? Like, you get them excited, move around. They get around? they get like startled yeah. because it, it the first <laughs> noise awesome is, is a rooster crow in the speaker, and the roosters are like, "What?" And then I scream, "Chicken party!" And then it plays this song. I took this song uh, uh, and then edited it with chicken chickens balking to the beat and roosters crowing. It's like dance music for the chickens. But uh, so <laughs> I, I'm hoping we have that up soon. It's all duct tape because effector. we've got to use a bunch of different systems like if this, then that and Streamlabs to create a way to track super chats in a meter and then ultimately trigger a sound. Triggering the sound is the hardest part because how do you get a speaker to play a sound? It's, it's not so it's, it's not the easiest thing. There might be some, some coding we might have to do into it, but we've, we found some duct tape methods of getting it to, to, to play probably just like, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. We, we, we think we have it and hopefully in the next day or so. You will have the opportunity to give money to support a chicken party every day and have the, the dance music play for the chickens. Because that's the important thing. That's, that's what we do. It's awesome. very important. Makes life easier. That's 
All right, let's grab some. Uh, we got Nesquik says based guest tonight. Well, there you go. Thank you. People News Today says delete laws is fighting corrupt cops. Please help. I don't know who that is, but I, look them up. I like the idea. So, yeah. all right, let's see. Aimbot says, John, if I set up a meeting to speak one on one to Donovan Mitchell, would you take it? Absolutely, I love Donovan Mitchell. Who's Who's Donovan Mitchell? He played for Louisville. He plays for the Jazz now. Oh, okay, great player, all star. Cool. Would Donovan Mitchell though? Mm. I don't know. He's He's not anti police because he he just uh, supported a retired LMPD guy who's running for sheriff. Um, he did have my case wrong, Donovan. If you're listening. Uh, he had my case wrong on the Brianna thing, saying yeah. we murdered her. Everybody did. Put her, yeah. And this is, can I go to back, back to this real quick? So when my kids, I've got adult kids who, you know, they went to public school and they had a very diverse friendships, friendship groups. And, uh, they came to me when this first started and they're like, Oh, this person said this. I can't believe it. And they're mad and I'm defriending them and I'll never talk to them again. I went, Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Don't do all that. I said, just sit back. We're taught at a young age to believe the media, right? Where do we get our info from? The media, the news. That's all they're getting. They're not getting any pushback from anybody. So naturally, if I didn't know the case, I would have believed it for for eight months. Nothing was said in opposed to all yep. the lies. So naturally, if somebody's lying about you, what do people do? They defend themselves, right? Right. And when th- when that's not happening, you assume, well, I guess, then what they're saying is true. Yeah. And so I told them, just wait till the truth comes out. And then if they still feel that way, then you can cut their friendship off. But just pump the brakes. All right, we yeah. got a really important one here from Stephen Richards with a with a big super chat. He says, "A cab," and then pig and clown emojis. Huh. Uh, huh. A- <laughs> I like pigs. <laughs> I like a- donuts too. You forgot that one. Oh yeah. A cab <laughs> stands for all cops are bastards. Oh. Yep. But well, I, uh, I know my mom and dad, so it's cool. But Steven gave us forty dollars for that super chat, nice. and Thanks, uh, and I think I think as much as it doesn't really express all that much of an idea that we can contemplate, I do like reading uh, uh, you know contrarian thought or or arguments or you know opposition opinion. So uh, you know we'll take it hey, by Steve, all means, Steven. I'm gonna give you a hint though. That really doesn't offend cops anymore. We're, it's yeah. so numb to it. It's just. It's a waste of your, your 40 money, 40 bucks, but Tim appreciates no, it. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Give me your money. Tim appreciates it. <laughs> uh, Buy my book. It's only 30. There you go. Oh, it's a hey, virtue it's signal. Cheaper. Yeah, yeah. That's true. They're not saying it for you to offend you. They're saying it to make sure everybody knows that they think cops are bad. Right. No, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. like you. I think, I think cops are bad. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Love you, Steve. I certainly, you know, like saying abolish the police all the time because of the COVID stuff. That's for sure. But I, but I also want to stress that, you know, I, I vis- like my, my point on that is, it's kind of a shock statement that is not completely untrue. My position is mostly just we need serious reforms, whatever you want to call it. But if if we're at the point where we're looking to looking at woke leftist cops, at that point I'm like, let's abolish them before it gets to that point. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if you saw the, the, specifically this point was because in Seattle, cops arrested a guy who was being attacked by Antifa and then apologized to Antifa. Yeah. But when the good cops all quit. Who's left? Yeah. Well, I've, I've been warning people of that. You know, you keep chasing the good ones off. You're going to be back in the 80s like New Orleans and Detroit where you have so much corruption. We're all screwed. When you outlaw police, only the outlaws will pol- be police. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know how that makes sense. but <laughs> All right. Caleb W. says, Tim, you keep mentioning David Pakman in the same space as yourself, Crowder, Kim Iverson, and other legit independent personalities. Don't demean yourself to that dude. Don't demean yourself to that dude is a radical leftist that lies as much as CNN. I've sent you articles about UFC. Um, I think uh, uh, 
I, I don't know what David's deal is. I, I, I've, I've, uh, I've known him for a really long time. There were a few stories that I, I, cause I've seen, I watched his content periodically. He got wrong and I talked to him on Facebook and I sent him like, Hey, check this out. I think you missed this story because this is a correction and he just ignores it. Huh. But then he certainly, you know, like, so I know he gets it. Like, I know he sees me being like, here's an article from the New York Times showing that the thing you just put out was wrong and he just doesn't say anything. So, you know, that being said, I don't expect everyone to be correct. And, um, I encourage people to watch everyone. So when I mention David Pakman, it's not, it's basically because I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be the arbiter of truth and morality and to be better or smarter than anyone. I'm going to say, you go watch his content and like Caleb, maybe you'll come to that conclusion and be like, wow, okay, so this, this guy's not good. Or maybe you'll be like, wow, David made a good point. Tim was wrong. I think, I, I think I have faith in your intelligence and you guys going and watching other channels is important for you to develop resilience to the lies and the manipulations. I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their lives to a certain degree. Um, obviously, I have my opinions on morality and ethics, but ultimately, I think when it comes to the truth that motivates the actions, um, I think you should have a lot of, you know, responsibility. And I'll put it this way. I can certainly say I think people should be standing up for themselves doing this if they want these things. But th- that is in the sense of if you tell me you want freedom, if you tell me you want your kids to be safe, I will tell you my opinion on what I think would work for you. And that is standing up for what you believe in because it'll make everyone's lives better. But truth be told, you do you, do all me. I don't want to be responsible for your life. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so for, you know, by all means, be critical of me and whenever you feel like it. And uh, I, I respect and expect it. All right. DJ Medeiros says, Tim, Star Trek Enterprise in a mirror darkly. Good episode. Is a great episode, uh, as Star Trek, is as great an episode as Star Trek's DS9 in the pale moonlight. You've seen it? Yeah, yeah, and Mirror Darkly, it's a good episode. Um, really? It's one of the few I could remember by episode title. Yeah, it was wow. decent. Because Enterprise was not a very good series. I yeah, watched I it as a kid, and I, I loved it because I was a kid. And then I remember revisiting it when I was probably 14 years old or so and going, this show wasn't that good. But but that episode what was it I very much enjoyed. So... I don't want to spoil too just much for, of it for the quick. For, yeah, okay. so so start the point of Star Trek Enterprise is it takes place before it's a prequel series, and so what happens is they find a portal to like a mirror universe, which is just a basically identical to theirs, but a little further in the future, and they find the starship, which is the same class as the original Star Trek series. So it's like it looks like the same set from the sixties oh, and the okay. same ship. Yeah, it's 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 a good episode. Cool. Jeffrey Pfaff says, why would CNN pull 10-minute news clips off YouTube? Because they want you to go and watch on CNN Plus where you pay three bucks a month. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Forgot about that. So it's it's so what we did was we didn't take our clips off YouTube. We just created a segment for the website. CNN has done that as well. They've created like Jake Tapper's Book Club and, you know, other ridiculous shows. But they're trying to compete in this space. I'll tell you, take a look at Netflix. Netflix had Marvel shows. Where are those shows now? They're on Disney Plus. Because Disney was like, why are we giving our shows to Netflix? We can make our own. We can make our own streaming service. YouTube in 2012, one of the, one of the top YouTube people, like I know, I've I've known a lot of people, I have friends at Google, told me that they're competing with Netflix and that's their goal. What's going to happen now when all of these big networks that put content on YouTube say we're doing our own streaming service? They're going to be like, put the promos on YouTube for posting on Twitter and then put the real stuff on our platform where we can make money. That means these big networks are going to pull off YouTube, even the small ones, because, you know, we're certainly looking at uh, I would rather have our own website. And I can tell you this, YouTube, 
we about a third of all of our ad revenue that goes to YouTube, uh, that comes through YouTube, goes to YouTube. What if I just made my own website, took 100% of the ad revenue, yeah. and then paid 35% to market myself instead of giving it to Google? How do I even know that they're marketing me effectively based on the amount of money they're taking? I don't. So YouTube certainly made an incentive for people to abandon the platform, at least in the next several years. All right, let's let's grab some more. We'll just do a couple more because I, I didn't see I, – I wanted to grab some specific questions to get some uh, nuance, but I think – you know. Can I mention something very quickly? Yeah. I'm seeing in the non-paid super chats, people are noticing that I am differently colored than I was two episodes ago or three Correct. episodes ago. So the yes. camera was blue. I looked like Joe Rogan on CNN. He did. I want all of you to know it was because of the tint of the camera. I was not fault. sick. Well, it was funny because I had not been on the several episodes prior to that one. And so people thought that I had been sick and was recovering. And that's why I was blue. But yeah. that is not the case. That's right. Popular conspiracy right. theory. Mike Tapia says, everyone in the chat room type in Bok Bok for Chicken City. I suppose. Yes. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, guys, watch Arcane on Netflix. Good stuff. Well, all right. All right. Hmm. Jeffrey Pfaff says, so you agree with me? It's promo clips now. Is that, is that what it already is? Because I wouldn't be surprised if that, that that's kind of my point, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go and record this members-only podcast for all of our members. Head over to TimCast.com and join the movement. Yes. Yeah. Well, so what we're doing is we're trying to expand. We're trying to make culture very much like the Daily Wire is doing. Our intent is to expand as much as we can. And the challenge is I am but one one humble man trying to, to do this, which means we've got to figure out strategic ways of expansion, um, which means we got to hire people, project managers, producers, and all this stuff. And it is it is difficult to manage because uh, we're certainly not uh, – we're nowhere near as big as the Daily Wire. They're massive. But we hope to get to that point. I'm a big fan of what they're doing culturally. And with your support at TimCast.com, we're going to be able to do a lot more of this. So we have plans for events. Our mobile studio is, is current, our new mobile studio is currently being built. We're, we're planning a trip out to the Daily Wire, I yeah. believe soon to hang out at their studios and do some collaborations and bully Michael and, uh, Knowles. That's right. And, and bully some Michael plan. Knowles, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and play some music with him. But uh, if you guys want to support us, you'll you'll get this members-only podcast coming up just about 11 p.m. So check it out. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL. You can follow me personally at Timcast. Uh, John, do you want to shout anything out? You got a book? You got social media? Yeah, 12 Seconds in the Dark. You can get it anywhere. You can buy books, whether it be Amazon, uh, Target, Walmart online. It's in stores at Books and Noble and, and uh, Books or Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. Um, so yeah, get the book. Any social media, it's at Sergeant Mattingly, at S-G-T-M-A-T-T-I-N-G-L-Y. That's uh, anywhere from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. Right on. I'm Seamus Coughlin. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We release an animated cartoon every single week, sometimes twice a week. We're doing a tune this week on the... Um, the issue of men competing in women's sports mm. because they've called themselves women and sort of this like very milk toast response you get from a, a lot of conservatives who won't even go as far as to say that. So check it out. I think you guys will enjoy it. Go over there and subscribe. Love you all. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys all for tuning in on this insightful evening. You guys may follow me on Twitter at Sarah Patchlids and on Minds.com. I also have what is kind of like a link tree. It's SarahPatchlids.me and that has all my social media. You guys can check it out there. Make sure you head over in the meantime to youtube.com slash chicken city and subscribe. Mm -hmm. Right now, what you'll see is the IR camera showing sleeping chickens, but throughout the day, it's quite fun. And, and truth be told, a lot of people are saying we have we have like 17,500 subscribers on this channel in like three wow. weeks because people, people, here's, here's the truth. When people are at work and they're just like in the office or whatever, 
putting it on the background, you hear like woodpeckers yeah, and you awesome. hear like birds tweeting and you'll hear like a, a train horn and then you'll hear Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. Then you'll hear me screaming at the chickens. <laughs> you'll hear my conversations as I'm outside the door. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. But, 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 but people like the background nature sounds, which is really what makes Chicken City work. And then also the chickens are hilarious. And you can give them treats and then they run around doing chicken stuff. So they're quite silly things. And the best part is they, they just poop where they walk. They'll just they're literally great. walk and then just. So anyway, thanks for hanging out, everybody. We're going to record Joe this. Biden. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Little Joe Biden's walking around. Yeah, they do. When the when the rooster jumps in the back of the hens, they do call it the old Biden sniff. Oh, that's <laughs> no, they do. In, yeah. in the chat room, they call really? it yeah. the old Biden because the, the rooster bites the neck yeah. of the hen, yes. and it looks like like he's buried in it, sniffing. Like he's got his head, uh, you know, like he did that one time. Anyway, one time. That w- <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yes, yes, we must be fair. Head over to timcast.com. We'll see you all over there in a little bit. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.